Somebody had to take the babysitter home. Then I noticed she was sitting on her sweet can. I grabbed her sweet can. Oh, just thinking about her can. I just wish I had her sweet, 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 sweet can. So, Mr. Simpson, you admit you grabbed her can. What do you have to say in your defense? Mr. Simpson, your silence will only incriminate you further. Uh, no, used Mr. To be Simpson, funny. don't take your anger out on me. Get back, get back. Mr. Simpson, no! Gravitization may not have happened. Somebody had to take the babysitter home. People. And I noticed she was. There was once a time when people could disagree with each other without disagreeing with each other. When people could actually speak freely without the risk of being shouted down, canceled, demonized. When The Simpsons used to be funny, people. There was a time when The Simpsons used to be funny. But I, you know what? I can't say, but no more. I stopped watching them. Maybe I stopped having a sense of humor. Maybe they stopped being funny. Up until season 15, still classic. Now, side note, I was at a thrift shop getting furniture. And I found this. Look at this. Now, it's beautiful. Hold on. Let's see if we can get in there. There you go. It says on the bottom, Simpsons Summer Games. 1992, and on the back, bronze medal. Butterfingers, Baby Ruth presents Raisinets, proud sponsors of the 1992 Simpsons Summer Games. It's heavy, so if nothing else, at least it's worth I don't know 35 cents in bronze. Uh, but I could I could I couldn't avoid it. I looked it up online. In good condition, there actually might be worth a little bit of money. This one's rusted and got a black line on it. People. There's a reason why I showed that clip in the opening. First of all, as I've explained in the exclusive that I just did prior to this called Vibing with Viva or Vibin with v or Vibin, Vibin with Viva. We will be vibing with Viva on the locals. We were, I did this thing called Vibing with Viva where I think I'm going to go like a half an hour, 40 minutes live exclusively on locals before going live on the YouTubes and the Rumbles. Um, and I said, I can't, it can't always be a rant. Oftentimes it will be because the state of the world is such that it's amenable, susceptible, prone to venting at the insanity, the outrage, the madness. Uh, but then other times, you know, we can play a little Simpsons and have a little fun at how the Simpsons was very good at predicting uh, the world, the future, much in the way Orwell was good at predicting the future because past is prologue when you're predicting the future, all you're really doing is reformulating what has already occurred in the present and the past. So this clip, why is it relevant? Um, because it's funny when The Simpsons pokes fun at fake journalism, clearly splicing together nonsense to make a narrated uh, uh, nonsensical story out of that which was never the case. It's, it's true. It's funny, it's, but it's obvious. That's humor. Humor and satire are closely correlated. And uh, there was a video circulating, which I will forgive anyone who got duped by it, was obvious, was obvious by context and by content, was obviously an edited parody spoof intended, in theory, to show the hypocrisy 
of the right, the, the conservatives, the GOP side, DeSantis, Sean Hannity, and Lara Trump, intending to show the hypocrisy of the right justifying warrants when they like it, but complaining about warrants when they don't. And people fell for the video, it seems, because Reuters had to do a fact check on it. We're going to go into that in some detail. I didn't want to start with the actual video itself because I want to break it down and commentate on where it should have been obvious to everyone that that was obviously satirical intended to show what someone argues is hypocrisy. Reuters had to fact check it. Okay, that's one thing that we're going to get to. Second item that we're going to discuss today, I have to make sure I don't screw up the term. We found a new term, a catch-all term, to stifle any and all public discourse. That term is stochastic terrorism. That's right, people. Stochastic terrorism is the term now being given to public critique because of potential bad actors uh, doing bad things, making threats, harassing people because of this public critique. Hey Siri, what does stochastic mean? Stochastic is a technical term. It means randomly determined, having a random probability distribution or pattern that may be analyzed statistically, but may not be predicted precisely. The idea that it's stochastic terror. And now I'm thinking maybe stochastic has to do with staccato. Like when you play piano, tick, tick, tick. Maybe it has to do with staccato. Maybe it has something of the same origins. Random. Uh, unpredictable. But you know something, there's, there might, something might happen. So stochastic terrorism. S-T-O-C-H-A-S-T, stochastic. S-T-O-C-H-A-S-T-I-C. Bing, bing, bing. Spell the word. It is S-T-O-C-H-A-S-T-I-C. Stochastic. Can you use it in a sentence, please? People who critique doctors for performing transition therapy on children are engaging in stochastic terrorism, according to one U of T professor. We'll get there. Another issue, how to stifle free speech. Okay, um, there's an update in the Elon Musk Twitter battle. And I love the way the media frames it, people. A win for Musk communication of documents, whereas I thought Twitter had already communicated everything that any, anybody purchasing a $60 billion company would need. I thought they sent everything to, to Musk. We'll get there. And one more thing before the random stuff. The affidavit. The affidavit in support of the warrant heard around the world. The Justice Department fights to release the warrant and the list of exhibits. And also simultaneously fights to withhold the affidavit filed in support of the warrant. The affidavit of probable cause to justify the warrant. We're going to get into the good arguments, which should take us about zero seconds. And the bad arguments, talking points that... I'm not calling them NPCs. I just know that other people would. That those who will never be uh, convinced that they were wrong are going to repeat as the new talking point. So much transparency, in, in, indubitably. But first things first, standard intro disclaimers. Maddow is incredible news, so can't defame. Jones is and can you're not going to have to convince me on the hypocrisy and the double standards of media, but he's not media, by the way. That'll be, that's the, that's the, the response. 
Jones is not media. It's misinformation propaganda. Therefore, doesn't benefit from the media protection. Uh, thank you for the super chat. And where are the tacos? Yeah, I forgot to do. I forgot. I forgot it was Tuesday today. I thought it was Monday. So, uh, do I really need to make some? <laughs> I'm getting miffed. Do I really need to make some to pick up your slack here? Sorry, people. It's Taco Tuesday with Viva Fry. Uh, standard disclaimers: No medical advice. No election fornification advice. No legal advice. Uh, no stochastic terrorism either. By the way, people. Uh, I, I would. I, uh, harassing is wrong and illegal. It's already there. Making threats is wrong and illegal. It's already there. Uh, criticizing publicly people is neither wrong nor immoral nor illegal. We had three there. Uh, nor is it stochastic te- terrorism, people. Nor is it stochastic terrorism. Let's. Do we start with that? Oh, let's start with Shardy McDumbass. Shardy McDumbass. Viva, I will make you a deal. You and your family come to my house. If we can get, if I can get your whole family to fish to mount, a fish to mount, you have to consider opening a guide service with me deal. <laughs> how, did, how did that one comment catch my eye? Um, I never make promises. That's not true. I make promises. I just have to make sure I can keep them. Um, okay. Let's let's just I mean, we have to go with the stochastic terrorism. Let me just get. The tweet. That brings us. No, we're starting with this. We're starting with this. The world's gone crazy. The world has gone crazy on a day now. Where Jill Biden who claims publicly states, and I have no reason to deny it. I know people say saline shots and whatever. Can't verify that. Jill Biden, double vaxxed, double boosted. That's four doses. Test positive for COVID. Okay. Thanks. She thanks, you know, the protection that the vaccines have given her. We went over that in detail yesterday. It's become a, it's become the catchphrase of the cult is how I, how I describe it. Nobody thinks twice. It's not like, on the one hand, maybe it doesn't do what you said it does. On the other hand, maybe it actually, you know, maybe everybody who's now announcing that they're double vaccinated and double boosted and nonetheless getting the Rona, maybe there's another dot to be connected there that's not exactly thanking the vaccines and the boosters for their additional protection. This this tweet, Patricia Carvella, uh, Carvellas, RN Breakfast, ABC News, the party room. I swear to you, you don't know parody from reality anymore. I've just had my fourth dose after recovering three months from actually having COVID. And I'm very happy to be boosted. Thanks, science. I swear to you, this is not to be mean. This is not to engage in stochastic terrorism. Um, I thought this was a joke. I thought it was. I thought it was someone making fun of people. And I was like, I said, eh, not not my type of humor. I wouldn't do it. I thought it was a joke, a bona fide joke. I thought she was making fun of people, who, um, who are double vaxxed, double boosted, apparently just recently had the Rona, and um, are now you know. Say, I, I thought it was. I thought it was satire. Before I responded. I had to go check the profile and it's not, it's not satire. So this is real. Then I had to make sure I understood the tweet properly because what it reads like is 
I've just had my fourth booster or my fourth dose after three months after having COVID. But then I read it a second time. I was like, maybe I've just had my fourth dose after, after recovering three months from actually having COVID. Then I thought maybe she took three months to recover from COVID, had a very bad boat and is so traumatized from that three months recovering from COVID. She feels compelled to get a fourth dose, second booster. But I think my reading of it is accurate. And that is someone proudly wearing an M95 mask, double vaxxed, double boosted, and just had Rona three months ago, getting the fourth shot, thanks science. What can we reasonably conclude from such scientific and medical reasoning? Acumen. I like that word, acumen. Unless I'm misunderstanding your tweet, that's just to say maybe she had the three-month recovery from the Rona, which might change things. Is that to say that according to your logic and medical acumen, you'll be getting a booster every three months now? Uh, You have to appreciate, other than the fact that this is insanity. Hype, you know, there, I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't recognize the, call it benefits, but I don't want to be accused of giving medical advice. There are consequences to being infected, having been recently infected. I believe now, unless I'm mistaken, CDC recognizes natural immunity. I believe the CDC just announced that they are recognizing natural immunity. Okay, it's not just, but they recently announced that they're recognizing natural immunity. That means that a recent infection procures the beneficiary of such infection of natural immunity for a certain period of time. Someone who thinks that three months after having been infected, they no longer have uh, the benefits that the CDC recognizes one procures from a recent infection, they're basically saying jack me up every three months with a booster. I mean, that, that's, that's the logic of it. A- and as if, as if there not, might not be, you know, depending on which doctors you listen to, as if there might not be their own set of considerations to think, uh, I can tell you from Quebec, they told you not to get boosted if you had had a recent infection. Now, I don't recall the exact dates. I remember not being particularly impressed with the dates. Like it was like 60 days or 30 days. But, there's a reason for which that initial rule, set aside the time frame, exists. And that's because there are benefits and consequences to recent infections such that if you just got infected, even the doctors were saying, don't go get a shot, a booster. There's a reason why they ask you if you're feeling sick on the day you're supposed to get the shot. Um, whether it's 60 days, 30 days, or any other, there's a time frame within which you're not supposed to get a booster or a shot from recent infection. This person thinks infected three months ago and three shots wasn't enough. Go get the fourth and don't ask questions. Yay, science. Nuts. Oh, here we go. This is, here we go. We got, we got a shamer. We got a body shamer in the house. Viva took the jab. Don't listen to what he says. He has no skills of discernment. Stick him up, punk. Is, it's the fun-loving conservative, the, you know what, that, 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 if I were thinking that someone were in here trying to sow discord within a community and trying to discredit someone who's been more than honest and uh, upfront with everything for the detriment of the community, this is how you do it. Hey, Viva, Viva took the jab. Don't listen to what he says. Hey, dude, you're no better than Trudeau. Anybody shaming people for the decisions that they make with their bodies is no better than someone telling you what to do with your bodies. And just so we're clear, by the way, on my critique of the woman who's taking to social media to say, yay, science, I'm getting boosted. 
uh, three months after infection. It's not to shame her decision. I, I might feel bad for her decision. That is using her blue checkmark social media clout to influence other people to do something with their other with their own body. Um, but uh, anybody coming in here saying, don't listen to Viva because he got jabbed. First of all, you're entitled to your opinion. And if you want to shame someone for what they did to their body, you are no different than people who want to shame someone for what they didn't do to their body. So congratulations, you have become the enemy. Your own enemy, by the way. Although I just think it's a newly created account coming in here to try to sow discord in a community that comes here to get open discussion and good and accurate information. Moving on. It's, it, it's, it's a mad world where you can't discern parody from reality, which might explain to some extent. Uh, let's see here. Which might explain to some extent why people can, in fact, or do, in fact, have a propensity to believe things which otherwise would never be believed. Let me do this here. Okay. Uh, do we, we'll read, we'll re actually, you know, we'll read the article before we watch the video. We'll read the, although I saw it super, here we go. Lulu Bob's natural immunity stronger if you get COVID and you're unvaxxed. I'm, I don't know that. I'm not a doctor. I know that I read things. I know some people have said certain things. Uh, okay, but let's read the fact check, people, because before, if you haven't seen the video, you're going to watch, you're going to read the fact check, and then you're going to say, hmm, this had to have been serious. Oh, here, look at this. Reuters. Four-minute read. What's the date? August 15, 2022. What's the date? It's August 16 today. Fact check alter, fact check, altered Fox News segment showing Sean Hannity with Ron DeSantis. Okay, so fact check, altered, I, I can't tell if this is fact check, altered, no, it's fact check, altered Fox News segment showing Sean Hannity with Ron DeSantis. Social media users are sharing an altered video that appears to show Fox News segment with Sean, with host Sean Hannity, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and Lara Trump discussing an unidentified rape. Okay, we'll, we'll get to the video in a second. The, the, the guy who shared it, Timothy Burke, we'll get there. Ron DeSantis went on Hannity and things got spicy. The text in the original tweet, okay, that's what we just read that. The video begins with Hannity saying, when this raid happened, and it was a raid before appearing to be interrupted by DeSantis, who disputes the, the use of the word raid. Already, as Reuters is describing it, 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 they're leading you to believe that they're not starting this off by saying it was obvious parody, it was obvious spliced together video that no one, should have taken seriously. They're not starting off with that. Even reading this, you're sort of building up the expectation in your mind that it was a real interview. He said, it's not a raid. With all due respect, it was not a raid. They were serving valid process in accordance with the laws and constitution of the United States of Florida. They did it with integrity. They did it with honor. And to say it's a raid is disinformation. The alleged back and forth, yada, yada. But this, did not, this debate did not take place. Rather, the alleged segment is a product of splicing and combining separate videos from different topics on different dates and editing them together to make them appear as part of a single conversation. The clip of Hannity can be traced back to August 22, 2022. Fox News segment about the FBI. Okay. Part of it's about one raid. Uh, the clip of DeSantis, meanwhile, can be traced back to December 11, 2020 here. 
Let's go listen to this. After Rebecca Jones raid before it happened. What, excuse me? Were you aware that the Rebecca Jones raid was about to I knew to there was an investigation. I didn't know what they were going to It's not a raid. I mean, I, with all due respect, um, what you just said is editorializing. They, sir, excuse me, excuse me. No, excuse me. I'm not going to let you get away with it. These people did their jobs. They've been smeared as the Gestapo for doing their jobs. They did a search warrant. Why did they do a search warrant on the house? Because her IP address was linked to the felony. What were they supposed to do? Just ignore it? Of course not. They went. They followed protocol. We actually have video from the Tallahassee PD showing that they were very respectful. She was not cooperative. It was not a raid. They were serving valid process in accordance with the laws and constitution of the United States and the state of Florida. They did it with integrity. They did it with honor. And to say it's a raid uh, is, is disinformation. And you guys need to drive. Excuse me. Excuse me. We're going to we're going to talk about the double hypocrisy here at facts and stop trying to feed narratives. I understand why you do it, but it's not supported by that, facts. Sir. And so you should be better. I don't than do that, that sir. Right, thanks, everybody. Well, that's a good answer. And by the way, just understand the double meta hypocrisy here. Back then, they were accusing DeSantis of having engaged in a raid for allegedly serving a subpoena on someone who I guess. Uh, I'm not sure. I, actually, I'm not sure about the details of the Rebecca Jones investigation, but they were they were accusing DeSantis of a raid, accusing him of not having had required evidence to justify a warrant and a seizure. Uh, one notable difference in DeSantis's response is specific reference to specific facts that could justify it. Evidence that you'd find in the affidavit of uh, a warrant for probable cause. We'll get there. So that was the clip from a while back where DeSantis was saying, it's not a raid. We had all the grounds that we needed under law. It was done properly, etc." Spliced together with a Hannity interview made it look like they were talking about the Trump raid and some people were believing it. It shows this. Okay, we got that. Jones. Oh, it shows DeSantis discussing the raid at the home of a top data scientist, a separate event at the Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, U.S. law enforcement searched the... Sorry. It shows DeSantis discussing the raid of the home of a top data scientist, a separate event to the Mar-a-Lago raid. U.S. law enforcement searched the home of Rebecca Jones, who helped build Florida State's online COVID dashboard in December 2020 on suspicion of hacking a State Department of Health communication system. Jones had previously alleged she was fired from her government job because she refused to manipulate data. Read more about her case. Okay, fine. In response to the Splice video on Hannity, Hannity said, warning, if you see this on Twitter, it is edited fake news. This never happened. They spliced in comments the governor made years ago. Twitter needs to step in and remove this immediately. Whether or not you agree with Hannity's demand that they step in or his response, period. Separate issue. Verdict altered. The video has been edited to include it. Yeah, yeah. That's the fact check that they did, people. Shall we uh, go watch the original video to see whether or not it's susceptible of not immediately being identified as a spliced video, clearly for satirical commentary purposes? Let's see. That's the Homer Simpson one. Come on, where is it? Where... Oh, son of a bee sting. Uh, you know what? Forget it. We'll just have to go through here. Um, okay. This is the video, people. I'll, say, I'll give you this. It's, it's well done. But if this is an interview 
What kind of, I mean, right off the bat, this screen grab or this, this image right here is enough to tell you it's not a real interview. What, what, what position is DeSantis in for this interview? Setting that aside, just wait until you actually see it. When this raid happened and it was a raid. It's not a raid. I mean, with all due respect. When this raid happened and it was a raid. It's not a raid. I mean, with all due respect. It, of course, was a raid. It was not a raid. They were serving valid process in accordance with the laws and constitution of the United States and the state of Florida. They did it with integrity. They did it with honor. And to say it's a raid uh, is, is disinformation. And you Why guys need to drop. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let, let me just stop here. Let's just go to the chat by way of one or two. One, this is believable. Yes. One, yes, this is believable. Two, no, this is clearly not believable. This looks like a mixtape that a kid would make in high school or 15 minutes on his phone on the bathroom in the morning. Not that I've ever done that. It gets worse. It gets worse. Let me just see. Oh, sorry, I, I've, I've, led, I've poisoned the well. This requires a fact check, people. And by the way, question to ponder right now. Hannity demanded that they take it down. So we're doing this to please Hannity. Ask yourselves why Reuters is doing this fact check. Is Reuters doing this fact check to protect Hannity? And because Hannity said to take it down? Hmm. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Excuse me. Tonight. Excuse me. It is ridiculous. But, d- 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 I mean, is anyone watching the disjunct... I mean, okay. For anybody to call it anything DeSantis other is than frozen that, right what now. you call a bunch of people unannounced breaking into your home like frozen. this and taking Hannity whatever they like, want for themselves. Hannity's doing a Shmoyoho remix turntable thing with his hands. Oh, that's exactly the definition there you go. Again, right You there. guys need to look at facts <laughs> and stop trying to feed narratives. I understand why you do it. But it's not supported by facts, and so you should be better well, than you don't that. Don't raid the president's home. Uh, a zoom in. Dawn a, with zo- the- a zoom in during an interview. People be- apparently some people believe dozens of agents for a few documents that may or may not belong to the National Archives. They, sir, excuse me, excuse me. No, excuse me. I'm not going to let you get away with it. <laughs> sir, These people do because DeSantis in an interview is going to call Sean Hannity, sir. Their jobs. They've Hannity's been smeared as the, the mixing, Gestapo for the doing record. their jobs. They did a search well, warrant. Well, call me a skeptic. I don't buy that for one second. Um, what you just said is editorializing. The fact that the FBI, I think this is something else that's very upsetting to the American people, has been focusing their time and energy and resources on this. What were they supposed to do? Just ignore it? Of course not. They went. <laughs> Look at Lara Trump's eyes. And they followed protocol. I don't think they have a thing. And if they did, it would have been leaked by now. Okay, now, so I, I've got so many questions. First of all, it's now you get the Simpsons reference. Um, l- let me ask you this. Does, does that, is, is, is it the role of a fact checker? Is it the role of a bona fide fact checker to fact check that? Is this what fact checkers have become? They're going to fact check what is obviously clear satire and parody because somebody took it seriously? Um. 100% believable to the average normie. I don't, I, I tell you, I don't, oh, I just turned my computer around. I don't think so. Now here's the question. And this is the serious question. Sean, the, Reuters purports that Sean Hannity posted a tweet. Take this down, it's fake news. When is Twitter going to step in? Sean, I saw the tweet myself. You can go look it up. It's still there. The question is this. Um, was Hannity, was Sean Hannity trolling? Was the take it, when is Twitter going to step in? Was that a troll itself? 
I don't know. I genuinely don't know anymore. The one thing I do know is that I bet dollars to donuts. Um, Reuters did not take that down to protect Hannity. Why? If there were you know, people in, when I posted this said, Viva, it's clearly edited. What's your point here? Uh, others were saying, I was so disappointed in DeSantis. If there was anybody on the conservative side that believed this and was disappointed in DeSantis or it's so discord within the conservative community, people were now turning on DeSantis or wonder what the heck was going on. Reuters never makes that fact check to clarify that for conservatives. Don't get mad at DeSantis when it's obviously parody to anybody and there would be no need to ever make that fact check in the first place. If it were sowing discord within the conservative community that risked people turning on DeSantis for hypocrisy, I don't think they ever issue this fact check because they don't have to, because it's clearly parody and they don't mind that outcome. They're not doing this to placate um, Sean Hannity either. They're not doing this to make Sean Hannity feel good or to you know make him happy. They, I have no doubt they have no mind, they have no problem upsetting Hannity regardless, or not listen, just not listening to him. Thanks, Hannity. It's clear satire. We're not fact checking this. Get a sense of humor. I think they're fact checking it because there were probably a lot of people on the left or people who were neutral or indifferent saying, oh, look at people who are sort of anti-Trump now saying DeSantis is, you know, he might, he might be reasonable. DeSantis defending a raid on Trump might be reasonable, might be someone worth supporting if he were to decide to run in 2024. My operating theory is that Reuters did this fact check to make sure that no one grew unjustified or unwarranted in their mind, admiration for DeSantis for sticking up for the raid. That's my theory. No reason for the air quotes. I like to do random, unnecessary air quotes and just help myself fly away like, oh, Chris Farley in that Saturday Night Live skit. Um, but this highlights the absolute absurdity of fact checkers. There, there's, there's undoubtedly some political motivation to the fact check because you don't run around fact checking parody. I mean, it's almost as stupid as, I mean, this one is actually a little less stupid than fact checking the doctored image of Donald Trump on Rocky Balboa's body. <laughs> Everyone delete your Twitter and this wouldn't be a problem. Um, but that's, that's, that's my operating theory. But let's just understand this a little more, and it's going to segue us into the uh, next subject of the day. Um, do I get in trouble for bringing up this avatar? What? Uh, th that looked like the old uh, Indian symbol for peace and love, which was the inverted swastika before it was appropriated by the, by the Yahtzees. Um, yeah, so I, I'm telling you, th they ran that fact check to make sure that People in the center or people on the left did not grow an accidental admiration for DeSantis thinking he would actually defend the raid on Trump. They don't realize it's when you go watch DeSantis's original interview that it makes very clear the difference between a justified warrant being executed and a warrant being abused for the purposes of political reprisals and as a raid. What did DeSantis say in his, uh, in his response? We had evidence indicating that the documents were there unlawfully. We knew that the breach came from an IP address at that house. That 
I didn't see the affidavit in support of that warrant. That is evidence that you would see in an affidavit in support of the warrant to justify the warrant. Why do you need this warrant? Why do you need to go to this woman's private residence? We have evidence of a hack and a download and a breach that came from this IP address. This is her IP address. Therefore, we know it's there. What else was there? I forget what the other element of evidence was. DeSantis's own response highlights the difference between a proper warrant and an abusive warrant, which is nothing more than a political raid. I doubt anybody's even going to have gotten that far into the fact check to actually go watch DeSantis's response, which is great. What else does it highlight? The absolute hypocrisy of the media when it's a Republican governor executing a warrant on someone. But I, I do remember the story uh, briefly now. Someone who claims that they were fired for refusing to doctor information when that wasn't the case, when it's a Republican candidate executing a lawful, justified warrant on someone who is actually accused of actually breaking the law, then the media calls it a raid. They don't understand that this fact check is a double fakey uh, making yourselves look like idiots. They were harping on DeSantis, saying it was a raid, an abuse of power, when it's a Republican governor doing it to someone they love. And now, when it's a weaponized, uh, well, let's just call it administrative state, but we'll call it, you know, Biden supporting entity doing it on a Republican former president, number one contender political adversary of the current administration, then it's then it's justified. It's not a raid anymore. Oh, it's and and what's the reality? So that I'm not, you know, no one accuses me of just saying, well, I I I'll defend it when it's DeSantis and I'll attack it when it's Trump. Uh what you know what I can probably guarantee you? The affidavits contained sufficient information in one case and probably don't contain sufficient information in this case. One thing I can probably guarantee you, the warrant, even as described in that response, was more circumscribed and more specific in that case and dealt with the actual allegations of that particular case and was not a fishing expedition compared to the warrant in Trump's case. I can call a spade a spade when we're playing cards. I'm not going to pretend things are equivalent when they're not. A warrant which is reasonably circumscribed and is not a general warrant. We want any and all presidential records created between January 21st, 2017 and January 20th, 2021. Mm. How does American maple syrup compare to Canadian? I haven't had, I don't, I don't like maple syrup all that much. Um, I used to put it in coffee, but not, not anymore. But Vermont maple syrup tastes indistinguishable from Quebec maple syrup. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the issue. Uh, it's not a question of me playing partisan politics either. You can assess each case on its own merits. Even in his response, DeSantis offered specific information that you know is in the warrant uh, as relates to a warrant, the affidavit in support of the warrant, as relates to a warrant that was specific and looking for specific documents as opposed to this fishing expedition based on an affidavit that has not yet been released. Roman Baber is going to be on the show today at two o'clock. In fact, let me do this. Give me two seconds, peeps. I'm going to go tweet this out. Yeah, Roman Baber coming on at two o'clock. Okay, let's go here. Let's go here. This... 
pause. Oh, I'm getting an ad for Governor DeSantis on a YouTube video. Hmm, interesting. Uh, give me two seconds. And at 14 o'clock, Roman Faber is coming on. Then at 14.30, Jim, Jim Arahalios. Be there and share the link. Here we go. It's on Twitter, people. Share it around. Oops, here we go. Share the link and uh, make sure everybody knows. Okay. So, yes, Baber's going to be on at 2 o'clock. What's the other news of the day? Have they found the nuclear documents yet? It, it's 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 um, a, a preposterous world. I, I, I called it at the time. Not much of a prediction. Nuclear documents. They needed that. They needed that warrant because Trump had nuclear document emergency. No other way to get it. They uh, had top secret documents. We only learned about it in June, except the Washington Compost published an article about it in February. And they execute the warrant, personally approved by Merrick Garland, issued by a judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who um, was conflicted out of a or recused himself from a case involving Donald Trump and the Clintons, because Bruce Reinhardt was an attorney for certain Epstein co-conspirators, Epstein employees, recused himself from that file a month and a half. I might have said two weeks earlier. A month and a half prior to signing off on this warrant. Conflicted out of a civil matter involving Trump and the Clintons from a judge who represented Epstein defendants, co-conspirators, or employees. And then a month and a half later, not conflicted, signs off on a warrant. And my understanding, it was 91 days, 92 days prior to the November midterms, because they're not allowed doing anything that might affect an election within 90 days of the election. Everything's, everything's kosher, people. Everything's above board. Don't ask any questions. That would be scotastic terrorism. Um, Merrick Garland comes out and says he personally authorized this seizure, raid, on a former president and front runner, political front runner to the current administration. Okay. Uh, Trump makes it public. There's, dis there's debate as to whether or not anyone thought Trump would make it public, whether or not they thought they could do this and, and Trump would be quiet about it and the public would not know about it in order to get outraged about it. This is, this is uh, Robert Barnes's theory that they thought Trump would be quiet, just, you know, get this over with and don't make a big deal of it and nobody gets embarrassed. And Trump didn't go that way. Trump didn't go that way, makes it public. People flip out, rightfully so. Politically flip out. People get outraged that this is an absolute banana republic move of a weaponized government apparatus, an administrative state, deep state apparatus that is doling out political injustice for the purposes of Deterring and uh, deterring and terrorizing um, political adversaries. Trump makes it public, and then the Justice Department says they move to uh, release to unseal the warrant and the list of exhibits. We went over that last Friday. They move to unseal the warrant and the list of exhibits, and Trump 
in true to form troll format, from what I uh, understand, joined in that motion to say, yeah, release it. We want to see it too. Uh, they released the warrants. They released the list of exhibits of documents they seized in this raid. And I'm going to, I'll refer to it as a raid and not as a warrant for seizure of documents because this was a raid based on a generalized warrant, nothing less, maybe even more. Uh, they, they released the warrant. Maybe we have to pull up the warrant. Let's see if I can pull up the warrant real quick. Hold on. It was last Friday that, uh, if we have, if you haven't seen the warrant, we'll just have to do it real quick. Let's see here. When, when was it? August 15. What well, that, my goodness, that was not even yesterday. August 14. What was the date on Friday? It's the 16 today, 15, 14, 13, 12. And it was a Jack Posobiec tweet that had the warrant. Ah, come on. Jack Posobiec warrant released. The bottom line, people is that the warrant was a fishing expedition. Are we going to be able to find this in a time that is not going to drive people crazy? Ah, we're not going to be able to do it. Okay. It was um, any and all documents made within the four years of Trump's presidency. Uh, Anything located in the premises, not in private rooms, uh, presidential records. It was everything, nothing specific, nothing circumscribed, certainly nothing that was responding to what would be the required details in an affidavit for a warrant. And so they released the, they released the warrant. They released the list of exhibits of items that they seized and the list of exhibits of items that they seized. There, there was no specificity in it that allowed anyone to determine anything other than the fact that there were photo albums. Uh, Roger Stone's documents for, for his pardon. And then box number 14, box number 12, whatever. N nothing, nothing that allows us, nothing that allows us to even know what they took and nothing allows us to know <laughs> with any degree of specificity what they were even looking for. And then people are like, okay, really, you know, the, the Justice Department made a motion to uh, make public the warrant. Surely, they should also be amenable to making public the affidavit for probable cause that was filed in support of the warrant in order to get the warrant issued. We might have an interest in understanding what was alleged in the affidavit for probable cause that could have ever justified what was effectively nothing more than a general warrant, which from what I understand under American law is unconstitutional. Let's see here. Yeah. You would think that. But no, they, they don't want to they don't want to release the warrant. We're going to find out why. Now, why am I reading CNN people? I know what CNN is. We're going to get to this guy's video right here in a second. I know what CNN is. Partisan garbage. But I want to know what is the steel man argument that is being presented by the biased partisan garbage? What is their best argument for why they refuse to release or why the Justice Department 
uh, is opposing the release of the affidavit. I think I know. I think I know. I just want to see them say it first. Okay, where is it? DOJ now opposes making public details in Mar-a-Lago search warrants probable cause affidavit saying it could chill future cooperation. Hmm. How isn't that special? The Justice Department is opposing the release of details in an affidavit that lays out the argument that investigators made to a federal magistrate, a conflicted federal magistrate with a questionable history as a judge, as a lawyer, I should say, explaining the probable cause it had to search former president Mar-a-Lago estate last week, saying it could have a chilling effect on the inquiry. In their new filing, arguing for some continued secrecy, for some continued secrecy, for now it looks like total continued secrecy, because releasing some information that tells you nothing while uh, insisting on not releasing the information that will tell you something, that's beyond total secrecy. That's actually misleading. Oh, look, we're, we're, we're open. Here's the warrant, but not the reasons for which we told the judge we needed this warrant, effectively on an urgent basis to come in with... 19 armed agents and seize a form, you know, raid a former president's house. In their new filing, they argued for some con continued secrecy. The Justice Department made it clear that the seriousness of the ongoing criminal investigation, saying it implicates highly classified materials. Where, where have we heard this before? Disclosure of the government's affidavit at this stage would also likely chill future cooperation by witnesses whose assistance may be sought, not will be sought not is being sought, purely perspective, may be sought. There may be some witnesses who might get chilled. How? Just take our word for it. Who may be sought as this investigation progresses, as well as in other high, pro as well as in other high profile investigations. The fact that this investigation implicates highly classified materials further underscores the need to protect the integrity of the investigation and exacerbates the potential future harm, the potential harm if the information is disclosed to the public prematurely or impromptly. Uh, improperly. Well, here's an idea. How about you disclose it properly? Uh, it's an amazing thing. The warrants, which was a blanket general warrant, everything and anything, that, that they can release. The list of items, because it says nothing, they can release. The affidavit in support of it, which, which would detail the why and the urgency and the sheer uniqueness of this situation. And by the way, when they say it, invest, it, it includes, uh, what do they say? Highly classified materials? Let me just, let me just do this. Just, uh, let's just do this. Washington Post. Uh, classified materials, Trump, February 2022. I don't know if I spell it properly. Uh, let's just do top secret. It's highly classified. It's, they can't tell you this now. They've, they've, some, some Trump records taken to Mar-a-Lago, clearly marked as classified, top secret, February 10, 2022. Now, but it, 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 just, it just now became the emergency and they can't disclose anything because it includes highly classified materials. Or, or maybe, and I'm just maybe, uh, the public is going to be outraged 
at the lack of substance to the affidavit for probable cause that was submitted to this judge who then, uh uh-oh, did we lose that article? There we go. Who then issued a warrant despite being conflicted with Donald Trump. Media organizations, including CNN, had asked for the affidavit to be unsealed uh, to be unsealed after the search last week. I tried, okay. The Justice Department said in its filing, disclosing the affidavit details at this juncture would cause significant and irreparable damage to this ongoing criminal investigation. There's nothing better than secret trials, secret courts, secret, uh, <laughs> secret raids. They go public, but they only go public with certain details, and then they run to the media to leak other details, like Merrick Garland did after his Wednesday or Thursday uh, public speech last week. All I can say is that the FBI is good, unquestionable, patriotic, can't say anything more than that, and then two hours later leaking inaccurate information to the media. The Justice Department said, yada, yada, yada. The redactions necessary to mitigate harms to the integrity of the investigation would be so extensive as to render the remaining unsealed text devoid of meaningful content. And the release of such a redacted version would not serve any public interest, said the Justice Department. CNN joined the Washington Post, yada, 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 asked the judge last week to unseal his documents, including any probable cause affidavits connected to the FBI search. Not since the Nixon administration has a president been subject of such a dramatic and public criminal process, the outlet said in the filing, adding that the outlets are, quote, attempting to shed light on the federal government's unprecedented actions and motivation. Oh, they're very noble. The media all of a sudden is very noble. You know what I can guarantee you? If there were damning information or details in that affidavit for probable cause, it would have already been leaked to this media. If there were, I'm just reading a chat here. Viva, the judge is going to do an in-person open the affidavit. I, I, I think that's a joke. Uh, Tucker Carlson's breakdown last night was epic, worth the watch. I, I suspect that, um, I suspect that if there were any damning information in that affidavit, it would already have been leaked, at least in part. Viva, could Trump argue for the release of the affidavit by pointing to Kleinsmith and the FBI's past lies to get warrants against him? I, I I don't know criminal procedure of the states. I don't know if if um, maybe the chat knows if if Trump has even seen the affidavit for probable cause. I suspect he. Ha- I mean, he could not have seen it, so he gets served with the warrant. Um, yeah, I, I'll I'll actually I'll ask Barnes tomorrow, or I'll ask other lawyers and 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 tweet the clarification. I don't know what the process would be for Trump himself getting to release, uh, petitioning the court to, to see the affidavit for probable cause. On the one hand, I mean, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how he could possibly have access to it if the reasons for which the Justice Department doesn't want to make it public. I mean, Trump knows who the witnesses are, who the leakers are, who the whistleblowers are. That would compromise an investigation. The idea that they can't redact it um, and at least provide the factual allegations to justify the necessity for this uh, I don't believe it. And if there was anything in there already, it would have come out. Where's the article? Where's the article? I put it on the back burner now. Uh, here we go. Here there could be here, there could not be a more historically significant event than the FBI raiding the former president's home for the alleged removal. We know that. We know that. New York Times, all these other places, they requested the affidavits. A magistrate judge unsealed the Mar-a-Lago search warrant and property receipt on Friday after Justice Department lawyers. And lawyers for the former president agreed they should be released. 
Other parts of the search warrant, including the probable cause affidavit, were not addressed at the time. Trump's team does not have access to the DOJ. There's our answer right there. Uh, Trump's team does not have access to the DOJ's affidavit, though it was reviewed confidentially by the judge before the search. Oh, by which judge? The one who was conflicted out of a, a file? The one who stamped the warrant? Yeah. But a bit bearing in mind, people, th that, last cha chi uh, that last chat talking about Kleinsmith, the last time uh, the FBI did this, specifically in respect of Trump as well, 2017, they falsified evidence, submitted it to a judge who then rubber stamped off on a, a renewal of a FISA warrant. The search warrant made public identifies violations of the Espionage Act, obstruction of justice and criminal handling of government records as reasons for the search. Those are the reasons for the search. Uh, then we get into the receipt. Republicans have continued to demand that the Justice Department explain its reasoning for taking the dramatic step to search Mar-a-Lago, with some along with Trump's circle of advisors trying to downplay the seriousness of the documents. But the DOJ's filing on Tuesday disputes that demand by saying the investigation deals with highly classified information that they've known, at the very least, that they purport to have known about since February 2022. What else is there in here? Republican Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota said on NBC's Meet the Press that releasing the affidavit would help. At least that would confirm that there was justification for the raid. Yeah, unless releasing it would reveal that there's no justification for the raid and that it's a pure political shenanigan. <sighs> unless the, and by the way, Merrick Garland signed off on it personally. So what happens now if this affidavit uh, for probable cause actually shows no meaningful probable cause to possibly warrant this unprecedented historic raid of a former president's house and Merrick Garland personally signed off on it. What happens then? What happens when the attorney, what's his name, AG, the, the, the head of the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, uh, gets outed for potentially, maybe, argue, maybe, it's, maybe it's got the best information in the world. Maybe there's a fang-fang in Trump's Inner circle. Fang Fang is uh, Eric Swalwell's alleged Chinese girlfriend spy. I say Chinese not because that matters, just because it's the Chinese spy aspect that's the relevant. Alleged girlfriend. Fang Fang. Maybe there's a Fang Fang mole within the Trump department who has the, this time they've got him, people. This time they've so got him, they don't even have to falsify the evidence. Maybe. Or maybe not. And Merrick Garland personally signed off on an arbitrary baseless, abusive search warrant that they then found the right magistrate to rubber stamp as well for what is nothing more than potentially the most scandalous political move in the history of American politics. Maybe. Notice uh, that they won't discuss Hunter Biden, but will give all damning evidence they have related to Trump. Well, I notice if it's Knowing that they had classified information, oh my gosh, that knowing that they had classified information, uh, it's it's serious. That's why they had to do this. But not with the Secretary of State when the Secretary of State admitted that she had well, recognized that she had classified uh, documents on an unsecured external server. Not then. Uh, you know what? And that might be the good segue. And it's not the, it's not the whataboutism. It's the double standard. First of all, everybody should appreciate that paper documents behind a lock and key 
is exponentially safer than digital documents on an unsecured external server. Exponentially. Technically, someone can still go look at those paper documents, make photocopies and take a picture. That would have to happen pretty much one person at a time after they're let in behind a door. Digital documents on a digital server, on an external unsecured server, that is pretty much open to anybody and everybody in the world all the time. And they don't even need to make physical copies. They can make digital copies. So to purport that this warrants what happened, whereas other stuff didn't warn what didn't happen, is an, is an exercise in stupidity. Uh, that and also, Trump is the president. One question in all of this is whether or not Trump declassified everything that he took or was in the process of disputing it, disagree, you know, d- discussing it with National Archives, however that works. That's one question. It's a question that you don't ask with a secretary of state who doesn't have the power to declassify classified documents in the first place. Oh, and by the way, there was, a, there was an article that came out that said, you know, when it comes to Hillary, let's just set aside the fact that she's a secretary of state, could not declassify the documents, period. That it's digital documents on an unsecured external server, which is exponentially more exposed than hard copies behind lock and key at Trump's uh, tower of Mar-a-Lago. The fact checkers are now coming out and saying, uh, it, the documents were less obviously classified for, for Hillary. Hold on, we'll get there right now after this. Imagine this, FBI used to get sensitive documents from former president. FBI gets dismantled, but there just happens to be 10,000s of positions open in the IRS. <laughs> not bad, not bad. It's, a, it's an interesting way of scripting this movie. And then what was this one here? Wasn't the conflict that caused this judge's recusal technically a conflict with the Clintons and not Trump, so not a conflict in this case? Well, that, that is the argument. We don't know what exactly was the nature of the conflict. Uh, but the general argument would be that uh, when you're conflicted with parties, it will give the appearance of lacking transparency. Okay? A judge recuses himself from a file involving two parties and then doesn't recuse himself in another file involving one of the two parties in a file from which he recused himself. They say that, I I don't know how it works in the States, maybe that would be okay, but there's the issue that it's the uh, impression of, um, oh geez, what's the word? Lack of partiality, and not actually the presence of lack of partiality. A judge who's already recused himself in a file involving two parties, there's going to be an issue, at the very least, of an appearance of partiality or an appearance of a problem when they don't recuse themselves to a month later in another file involving only one party. So yeah, I mean, that, that's the argument. I had asked that to, I had asked that during one of our streams as well, because the, the theory is that he recused himself because of his connection to the Epstein's, which kind of says something about um, Epstein's and the Clintons that uh, one Alex Jones made a point about on the stand. Uh, it, 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 it shows that there might be some connections that some people try to deny. But on the, on, the, on the bottom line of it, a judge that recuses themselves in a file involving two parties a month and a half earlier than signs off on a warrant involving one of those parties a month and a half later, that might give the impression, even if it's not there, of some problematic bias partiality. I looked this up the other day. It said only nine times. Epstein visited, oh, the Clinton White House. I'm sorry. Epstein visited the Clinton White House 12 times. I believe it was Clinton, Bill Clinton, who flew on the Lolita Express at least nine times that they knew of without security detail on some of those occasions, from what I understand. But let's just see how the, how the media mitigates 
how the how the media mitigates bad facts. Politifact. Is there a way to ask for money from Politifact? Comparing Hillary Clinton's emails to Donald Trump's boxes of files. Hold on. Do we all see what they did there? Does everyone see this? Comparing her emails, it's like it's like it's like Lionel Hutz. There's the truth and the truth. Comparing Hillary's emails, 30,000 emails. Comparing her emails 30 th- to Trump's boxes of files. One is small, it's just a few emails. Boxes. Of- hey, by the way, PolitiFact fake fact checkers, print up 30,000 emails, see how many boxes of files that fills up. But they're already minimizing it. Comparing Hillary's itty bitty 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 emails, just a little, little, you know, online shopping to Trump's boxes of files. Okay, right there in the headline, some people might not even pick up on that trick of psychological manipulation. Let me see if the chat is telling me how funny and smart I am. Okay, good. I feel better. (laughs) If your time is short, the National Archives in February said it had recovered 15 boxes of presidential records that former President Donald Trump had taken to his home in Mar-a-Lago. This was a breach of the Presidential Records Act. I'm not convinced that that's true. PolitiFact. Archives said it had recovered. I think they mean identified or recovered. Okay. Some of the documents were marked classified national security. In February, people. Hillary Clinton used a private email address for exchanges with her State Department staff. Oh, yeah. State Department. In three instances, email chains included information with ambiguous classification markings. In three a fact check is straight up lying here. I'm going to have to go find that, that Comey clip where he details the documentation that was marked classified at the time. And remember, just remember, does anybody remember the goalposts? I didn't have, I, I mean, I think it actually started with, I never had an external server. Okay, I had an external server, but it was for personal use. Okay, it wasn't for personal use. I used it for work sometimes, but it didn't have any classified information. Okay, it had classified information, but that information wasn't classified at the time. Oh, I'm sorry. It had classified information at the time on the external server that I had outside of proper security. Does everyone remember that exact moving goalpost argument that we had to endure with anybody who had the discussion? It never happened. Okay, it happened, but it wasn't a problem. Okay, it happened, but it was a problem, but it wasn't that big of a problem. Okay, it was that big of a problem. Uh, I'm sorry. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> yes, rocks, rock star Murray. Thank you. Uh, I am not. I'm not. I just um, want to make sure that I'm not actually boring people and that I actually add some insight to people's day and understanding of the world around them. Box, little, I, oh God. I, I'd like to remember exactly what the moving target was, but I do remember. I don't have it. Okay, I have it, but it was for personal use. Okay, I have it, but I, and I used it for work stuff, but it was not classified. Okay, I, there was classified stuff on it, but it was not classified at the time. Oops, I'm 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 screwed. But I'm better than Trump. I, I, that was the argument. Soon after, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Soon after, FBI agents raided his Mar-a-Lago estate. Former President Donald Trump posted a statement decrying the, quote, weaponization of the justice system. I agree. He called the search, quote, political targeting at the highest level. I agree. And contrasted what was happening to him with what happened, I'm sorry, with what didn't happen to his 2016 Democratic opponent. 
Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete and acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. This, this happened, people. Absolutely nothing happened to her to hold her accountable. This is, this is the reality of what actually happened. Oh, what do you mean? Did I wipe it with a cloth? <laughs> I'm so funny. It's my first day. In the 2016 presidential campaign, chants of lock her up, lock her up were regular features at Trump rallies. I, I, I think that I actually was not that much of a fan of the lock her up, lock her up. I think, even though I think she should have, she should have gone to trial or there should have been some, uh, there should have been some system in place to determine whether or not she broke the law and, and, and dole out the proper and appropriate and proportionate sanction. While she was never charged, not only was she not raided, she was never charged. Clinton's use of private email account for exchanges with her staff. By the way, it was with more than her staff, dude. Just go to WikiLeaks. It was more than her staff, you lying con artist, said PolitiFact. During her time as Secretary of State, drew an FBI investigation. Now, according to new accounts, the Justice Department is probing Trump and the classified documents he took with him to Mar-a-Lago. Okay, fine. We explore the legal risks Trump's faces in a related article. Oh, yeah, go there if you want to be misled and bamboozled. Clinton's emails... Do we need to go into this? No, we'll skip here. Ultimately, Clinton paid a political, not a legal price, yada, yada, yada. Trump's documents. Um, the, details of the, warrant the details of the warrant behind the search of Trump's residence remain unclear. We do know that Trump crossed swords with the National Archives. <laughs> I, I visualize crossed paths for some reason. Uh, um, when it was learned that he had taken official records with him when he left the White House. Oh, I'm, so they knew at least from February, but probably from the day he left the White House, I'm going to suspect because he didn't do it without notifying people. Just, I'm just going to hypothesize that. It's not because I like Trump. It's not because I presume he's infallible. I'm just going to presume he's not stupid. Although even, some people out there think he's the dumbest person on earth, yet capable of the most insidious, double secret, super duper, ultra mega probation spying. The Presidential Records Act requires that everything go to the archives and that he's allowed taking copies of certain things is my understanding. Not that he can't keep anything because then Barack Obama would be in trouble. It re Presidential Records Act requires that certain copies of records or originals be preserved. It doesn't preclude someone from retaining copies or originals to the extent that the archives have what they need. Head of the archives... Uh, told the House Oversight and Reform Committee in February that his agency had recovered 15 boxes of presidential records. By the way, you know what the list, itemized list stopped at? I think it stopped at 14 boxes. They still listed the boxes by the numbers that they had identified them as in February 2022. He identified items marked as classified national security information. NC, is that CNSI? Okay, yada, yada, yada. Okay, I'll skip this. In 2018, in 2018, about halfway through Trump's presidency, the National Archives learned that Trump was tearing up documents, another breach of the rules. Oh, I was going to make a joke, like Nancy Pelosi tearing up the State of the Union address. And then people were like, that's destruction of National Records Archives. Not if they have a copy. Not if it was a copy. They contacted, the, I'm, sure, I'm sure Trump is just running around tearing up nuclear codes just all, all day long. Trump just runs around the White House naked with this pacifier in his mouth, tearing up documents. 
White House staff were attempting to tape them back together for a told the White House committee. Although the White House staff during the Trump administration recovered the tapes together, some of the torn up records, a number of the other torn up records that were transferred had not been reconstructed by the White House. This is Ferreira's testimony in February. A key difference between the two. Let's just let's just hear the spin, people. Bradley Moss, a Washington lawyer who works on national security cases, said the Clinton and Trump are significantly different. Yep, one's the president, one's the secretary of state. One had physical copies behind lock and key. The other had classified information on an open, external, unsecured server. Let's hear what he has to say. Trump took properly marked hard copy classified documents from the White House, shipped them to Florida. What's he supposed to do? Make paper airplanes out of them? And sorted them in an unsecured location in his residence. I'm sorry. I think an unsecured location in his residence is an oxymoron. I think it's a contradiction in terms. His residence is a secured location. I think. I would argue at least. The presence of classified information in Clinton's emails was less obvious. Oh, you mean like the Secretary of State didn't know that that little C in the top right corner meant classified? These emails were never marked as classified because there were communications from unclassified... These emails were never marked as classified because they are, these were communications from unclassified government accounts, Moss said. I, I believe this is a lie. There were documents that Comey identified as marked as classified. In three instances, email chains included information which, with classification markers. It was never clear that Clinton was aware of the presence of the marker. Oh, my sweet, merciful goodness. It was never clear that Clinton was aware of the presence of that marked information or if the classification marking was clear. As for the personal, e- oh, it doesn't even matter. We don't, I don't, we don't. Moss cautioned that while some documents at Mar-a-Lago were clearly marked as classified, had they been declassified? Many questions remain such as where the records were originally located, who boxed them up, when Trump became aware of the existence of the records at Mar-a-Lago, and what, if any, efforts Trump took to rectify the situation once he was informed. I noticed he didn't ask the question as to whether or not Trump had declassified any of them. That's PolitiFact right there, people, running the hardest cover humanly possible for Hillary Clinton. Viva, you're smart and funny. Thank you. And not good looking. Anonymous, I'm joking. Thank you very much. And then there was uh, a few more here. Neil Oliver wakes up with Dr. Tess Laurie. Full episode number one. Please watch this when you have the time. Amazing. Love the show. Grateful and thankful. Nova. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and watch it. I screen grabbed it. Is it me? Or does it just feel like we all went to sleep and woke up in the twilight zone? It does to me. It does to me when we get into stochastic terrorism. And we're going to do that before Roman Baber gets on here. Um, let's just see. Let's just see how we're, how we're doing on the green light, yellow light. Oh, 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 oh. Wait a minute. Hasn't come up yet. Refresh, people. We're still good. Good. Um, would you consider joining Truth Social? Would like to see your presence out on there. I'd consider it. I mean, the only as a matter of fact, I just can't get it on my phone because I still have a Canadian operating system and it's not an app available in Canada. On the other hand, I, I like being the thorn in Twitter, but I have nothing against it. It's just I, at some point, also, just too many apps, too many platforms, too many, too many, uh, too many platforms through which additional messaging just adds baggage to the day. Is Roman Baber on the show today? Yes, we got that. And 30,000 emails, let's say one page per email, 500 sheets per ream. 
10 reams per box, six boxes of single page emails. And let's face it, I'm sure each email is not one page. Christopher emails compared to his big, big meal box. And his box was orange too. Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, sometimes I'm a little too fast and furious with my pages. I have no idea what's going on there. So that's the uh, that's the latest. I mean, I we need to see that that affidavit, and not in the sense of unlawfully. They need to release that. They need to release it. Redact it. Don't redact it like uh, some of those documents coming out of uh, lawsuits where you, you get three words on a page. Here's the problem I have with the argument for it needs to be redacted. The allegations in it uh, were necessary for the warrant and the seizure. That It's the affidavit for probable cause for issuance of the warrant. They, I mean, to, to say that they can tell him what, what alleged crimes he's, you know, supposedly in theory accused of having violated uh what documents they're looking for uh to then say well we we can't provide the evidence that warranted the seizure because it would compromise our investigation what does it sound like to me um it sounds like to me uh a little bit of that old expression show me the man and i will find you the crime a well-known proverb of communist russia to me it sounds like Holy crap, people, we're getting a little bit too much scrutiny here, and our affidavit is not going to justify this, and now the, the public is enraged, and if we show them this affidavit and it just says, we think he broke the Espionage Act, we want to see, people are going to flip out even more, so we better go make sure that we can find something to charge him with, because at least if we indict him, that will pacify half of the frothing mob, and then they won't care about the fact that the affidavit never justified that in the first place. That's what it sounds like to me. Thank you, Anonymous. Scottastic what? Scottastic terrorism is the term. What else? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's see. Twitter is a leftist hate sewer. Cancel Twitter. It's definitely a black hole of, um, of uh, nastiness. But I, I realize now, I, you know, I, I started this, this stream with the stochastic terrorism. And I didn't bring up the tweets about the stochastic terrorism. Uh, uh, let me do, let me do it. Let me just find this here. Oh, well, hold on, hold on a second. The Justice Department made a motion to unseal the warrants and list of items, but they want to keep the affidavit in uh, in support of it. Nothing fishy about that. And this is I, you just love it. New York Times Justice Department in full transparency moves to have the warrant in Trump search released. A week later, Justice Department opposes unsealing the affidavit. We're for full transparency when we want it. If you wanted charming and beautiful, you should have reconsidered the secret smell. <laughs> oh, someone's going to have to go back and watch yesterday's stream if they don't get the secret deodorant. Mullet, what I wanted. I can, oh my gosh, you know what? If I cut my hair, I could have the nastiest. What's a, what's a, what's a fro mullet called? Is there a word for that? A mullet? An afro mullet? I got, I got, good, word, I got good names for that. Um, okay, so we did this. Sorry, I can't find the... Um, Scottastic terrorism. Uh, is this it? Well, you know what? We're just going to have to... Well, this is my... This is my Twitter, my personal... Uh, let's just go for it. Okay. So people were calling out these doctors for, from the Boston Children's Hospital 
talking about transition therapy for transgender kids we're talking about. There was another doctor from Pittsburgh Hospital saying that, um, you know, puberty blockers, they're just something that say, hey, let's put a pause on puberty. And people were getting mad. And um, one person called it stochastic terrorism. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, one person who is a professor at University of Toronto. Tagging the RCMP. I mean, this, this is also just where, this is, this is what a mob does. Tag RCMP like they don't have actual crimes to deal with. Hey, RCMP, you need eyes on billboard Chris. So they're attempting to, this is effectively swatting, by the way. Like this is a form of digital swatting. And to think it's appropriate and that it shouldn't itself be a crime and that this person for the greater good is attempting to sick the RCMP. That's Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the dudes on horses up in Canada. Attempting to sick the police on a private individual. This is no better than swatting. This is swatting of a digital nature. Hey, police, you need eyes on Billboard Chris, who's engaging in stochastic terrorism and eliminationist rhetoric concerning trans and LGBTQ plus people. He is literally, literally, this seems like a Rachel Maddow literally, inciting people to harm medical professionals. And we have hate speech laws. Do it now before someone. Hashtag every fear hides a wish. Uh, but so just, just appreciate what's going on. You haven't seen the tweet from Billboard Chris because he's literally inciting harm on literally which means he must have said go out and harm medical professionals what was the tweet this apparently that this message has been sent to all employees of boston children's hospital the employees who sent this to me said they are getting hammered metaphorical as in they are getting flack blowback negative feedback for this advisor uh, sorry not for the advisor the advisor is saying they're they're getting they're getting blowback because of public statements they've made uh, about procedures that they give to children who say they want to transition. But this person who is accusing someone of stochastic terrorism, are we looking at the same thing? Stochastic terrorism and eliminationist rhetoric by literally inciting harm where there was no literal and there was no incitement of any harm. Tag the police, get them in trouble. Uh, the person's name is Dr. Ruth is kicking against the pricks, talking about <laughs> rhetoric of harm, kicking against the pricks. Tag is what the F is to be done and a professor at University of Toronto. Stochastic terrorism, people. And then you got uh, celebrated the fact that providers at Boston's Children's Hospital are being harassed and receiving death threats. I don't think that's what he was doing at all. At all. Unless you, I mean, unless, unless criticizing and then sharing the email that they got internally saying, we've been getting a lot of harassment, uh, harassment, a lot of uh, aggressive messages coming in. Uh, and we, here, here's, a, here's an advisory. And he says, this is what someone sent me 
apparently, and I'm quoting the person who sent it to me, they're getting hammered and they take this as stochastic terrorism. And what did he say? Celebrating the fact that they're receiving death threats. I don't see any celebration in there. And I don't know Billboard Chris well, although I've now come to talk with him and we might actually do a live stream together. I know a bit about his story. I don't think Chris is that type of person to celebrate violence, to celebrate threats. I think that, if I dare say, is a little confession through projection, a little people imputing on others what they themselves actually feel when it's the right kind of threats, the right kind of intimidation. And I said, I don't think that's what's going on here. In, Bill, in Billboard Chris's tweet, but are people not allowed expressing their discontent when do with, with doctors who tell parents and children that puberty blockers are just a way of saying, hey, let's just put a pause on puberty. Puberty blockers are basically a medication that says, hey, let's just put a pause on puberty. Puberty blockers are basically a medication that says, hey, let's just put a pause on puberty. And, and now, so nobody accuses me of just taking that out of context and for the sake of it. Um, the fuller clip my name is Priya Dar. is, is, is even more shocking. Hi, my name is Priya Dar. I'm one of the doctors at the Center for Adolescent and Young Adult Health here at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. I wanted to talk to you guys today a little bit about puberty blockers. Puberty blockers are basically a medication that says, hey, let's, let's just put a pause, put a pause on, on puberty. puberty. Um, and that can be really beneficial for younger kids who have start, already started the puberty process, who either might um, go through a lot of psychological distress as they go through puberty if they're uh, struggling with gender dysphoria, or for somebody who's saying, hey, I'm not really sure if I feel comfortable in my body or, or what gender hey, hey, doctor. Oh, I truly identify with. Hey, doctor, um, are you telling me that the only consequence to puberty blockers is they just say very politely to your hormones of a developing child, Let's put a pause on puberty. We'll, we'll get back to you, puberty, when we're ready, if we decide to. And no, no other consequences than that. Puberty comes right back when you're 20 years old, 18, 22. Is that what you're saying, doctor? Because I, I don't think that that's factually, scientifically, medically correct. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just a lawyer. If that is, in fact, what you're saying, am I allowed expressing my outrage? Am I allowed saying, I think this, in a normal, sane universe, probably qualifies as child abuse? Am I allowed saying that? If I say that, doctor, uh, because we do live in a world that respects freedom of speech, uh, is that wrong? Am I not allowed saying that? Is me expressing politely and respectfully my discontent with what I think is egregious, over-the-top misinformation, or at the very least, concealment of detrimental information that qualifies as abusing of children, um, am I engaging in stochastic terrorism because I do that? Is now any form of public scrutiny, public critique, stochastic terrorism, celebrating in the threats that might come. And by the way, people, again, I'll say it every day, don't threaten people. Don't send those emails because those emails then come back and are used to say, look, now you can't even, uh, you can't even criticize us because it's stochastic terrorism. Hold on, I want to bring this up here. Someone uh, is enlightening us. You can make a truth account on PC, but that's, that's, well, I, I have a Mac, so I can't do that. Telling the RCMP to investigate someone over Twitter is just virtue signaling as the RCMP doesn't follow tweets up. Don't, don't, don't give many ideas, Stephen. They're going to call in the police this time. Hopefully get laughed out of the room or maybe uh, have a, have a, get a ticket for phoning in false claims. 
I'm not getting into that. I'm your guy, buddy. But maybe I'll ask Barnes if he can do a hush-hush on that. What I wanted to get was the super chat explaining what stochastic meant. Looks like it, it, like a great many other fancy words, is rooted in the Greek word stochasm, which is to think, basically thought terrorism, accurate. Well, hold on one second, Alexandros Marinos. What, which one is the thought terrorism in this? Is the thought terrorism the one that says you can't criticize because it's terrorism? It, it's interesting, actually. Stochastic. Now I'm wondering what staccato means. If staccato has anything to do with stochastic. Has a root in the Greek word stochasm, which is to think. Stochasm. Basically, a thought. interesting. Um, but that's, that is, I mean, people don't need to be told not to threaten and not to harass because the people who do it, it's like the whole law-abiding citizen versus criminals. The people who do it don't need to be told that it's wrong. They're doing it despite knowing it's wrong for a variety of other reasons. Uh, it's counterproductive. I don't think it's right. And I don't think it does good for anybody. And also, don't do it. It's illegal. But expressing your discontent. How about if they're getting hammered because they're just getting flooded by parents saying, what the hell are you saying online? Why is the Boston's Children's Hospital now apparently coming out as trans rights activists and putting a message out there, which is probably going to influence people and not um, treat existing people with... People know when they have uh, issues that need to be treated that they go to a doctor. Uh, I, I have a problem with advertising medications in general. This is beyond advertising medications. This is activism for what is, what is designated by the DSM-5 as gender dysphoria, a mental issue that is categorized in the DSM-5. Uh, and they're basically promoting it, amplifying it. And it's an amazing thing what happens when people do this. More people start thinking about it. More people start thinking they have it. And it becomes a social issue and not a medical one. Gender dysphoria is a medical, is a medical term. It's a medical condition. I won't say a medical issue. It's a medical condition. That's why it's identified. That's why there's treatments. That's why there's therapy. But now they're coming out and wholesale publicizing and marketing transition therapy, puberty blockers on the basis that they, all that they do, all that they do, according to this doctor is say, Hey, puberty, let's just put a pause on that. It's no bigger than that. And, and if parents come, oh, it just puts a pause on it so I can get back to it in four years. And then four years later, oh, what's that? I'm not responding to puberty. Does nobody know what happened with these Russian gymnasts? with gymnasts in general, because of the exertion that they, that they output in sports, it stunts their development because it delays their puberty, it delays their period, so they don't develop, which is why you know, they end up having certain specifically identifiable physiques, and I say it without judgment. Oh, no. And then when, then when they're 18, 19, they say, yeah, you know what? It was, it was just a phase. I found other ways to cope with it. Oh, sorry about that. You're never going through normal puberty. Your bone density is never going to get to where it would have otherwise been. Oh, what's that? You might have actually had a double mastectomy like uh, Chloe Cole, who I just started following on Twitter. Too late for that. Oh, we can rebuild those things, but not the mammary glands in them. So enjoy, uh, in, in, enjoy the rest of your life because as a kid, you had parents who were following medical advice that said, puberty blockers just put a pause on it. Mastectomies just remove them. We can rebuild later. Brandon Lesko says these people are either mentally ill, trying to use cognitive dissonance to create a void to fill, or just crazy. Aren't they engaged in stochastic terrorism by continually putting random variables into thought arguments? Aren't they, uh, aren't they guilty of stochastic harassment by, or stochastic uh, – what's the word I just said earlier? When the cops come, 
stochastic swatting by just going out on Twitter, tagging the police and trying to get people in trouble for a tweet. Not a, not a threatening tweet, not a, not a harassing tweet, not a criminal tweet, a tweet. Tweet. So that was stochastic, people. Now, Oh, uh, I'm going to see when Roman Baber gets in here. Should be here in a few minutes. Hold on. Let me see here. Ooh, ooh. My, wa- my wife, she's a texting me. Will you be done by 3.15? I should be done by 3.15. Apparently, I just got another text that there's a Trump hearing near me. Hmm. Might have to go to court and do some documentation. Okay. Uh, So... Oh, yeah, hold on. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> booty call. Uh, dude, I, is it called a booty call when it's your wife? My wife. Uh, let me see if Roman Baber is. I'm just going to make sure that he's on time or he is still there, still good. Dun, 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 dun. I think she could hear me through the wall. Still good, question mark. We've got a nice crowd, smiley face. Stochastic. All right. And then we have a couple of more stories, which I'll get to maybe afterwards. Um, hold on, let me just close up some windows so I can uh, feel less anxious about all of these things in the back. Oh, what, what was the PolitiFact on fact? Oh, yeah, no, that, this was just uh, National Archives said it had recovered government documents from Erlago. Uh, the presence of the of the information classification on, on Hillary's. Yeah, we, we got that. Preposterous. Um, so uh, I was talking I, I was talking with, um, in the locals exclusive before we got started, where someone was saying, you know, these judges, activist judges, can't they be removed from the bench, you know, through impeachment or, uh, or removal or sanctions or whatever? I was like, you know, I, I don't know how it works in the States. All that I know is in Canada... It's so difficult. You have to do things like <laughs> literally this was a case. And I don't remember if or when the judge ever was formally disbarred, but former Quebec judge convicted of killing wife to be freed ahead of new murder trial. This was, when was this? 2021. Uh, Delil, the judge was found guilty of first degree murder in the death of his wife and was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, he calls himself a victim of judicial error. Now, let's just see if he was ever disbarred. <laughs> let's see. Eh? Disbarred. Uh, François Huard uh, removed from bench. And it drives me nuts that I, I, I wish I, I, this came up spontaneously. Removed from bench. Let's just see if we can find this. Eh, we're not getting the. I'm not getting the answer. Anyhow, uh, I I don't know what the rules are in the states, but no, they're, they're generally to be removed from the bench, it has to be egregious, and even in the presence sometimes of criminal conviction, not enough. Check out Exulancic on Rumble Odyssey. Get her on your show. She has a series of depth videos on BCH. Oh, that's Boston Children's Hospital. Sinister practices and much much more. Banned on YouTube. Trigonometry interviewed her as well. Okay, screen grabbed, and we'll see. And then there was another one. Viva, you missed my second super chat where I finished my thought about scatastic terrorism and naming someone that 
naming some of that. Oh, don't give a super chat, Steve, but I, I missed it. I, I don't think I can go back. Is the hearing on today, people? The hearing, is it? I, I don't think I can go today, so I'm just hoping it's not on today. The hearing, for anybody who knows, when is it? When is it? Oh, and by the way, I forgot to look on um, the rumbles. See if I missed anything there. Oh, I see Roman Baber in the backdrop, people. It's going to get interesting. Did I miss any rumble rants before we get to Roman Baber, who's running? So for the, the brief rundown, Roman Baber is running for member of provincial parliament. I like Roman. I told him, but I'll tell everybody else, still won't vote conservative as a party. But if I were voting conser- if I were voting for the leadership, I'd probably vote for Baber. Who knows? Um, but I told him, I, I, they're going to have to earn my vote back with blood, sweat, and tears. Not blood. That can be taken the wrong way these days. Sweat and tears. Um, Roman, I'm coming in. Get ready. Okay, he's ready. He's running for office, running for the head of the conservative leadership uh, against Pierre Poilievre. And we're going to get the update, people. A lowdown. Roman, sir, how are you doing? Good to be with you. Good to have you back here. So what's the, uh, look, 30,000 foot overview for those who don't know who you are. What are you doing? And I have a lot of questions as to the update right now. Um, to those that are not as well familiar with me, uh, four years ago, five years ago, I was elected as a member of provincial parliament for the District of York Center in Toronto. And uh, I was chair of the Justice Committee, um, steer clear. And then a couple of years ago, I made a decision that I wasn't going to watch my former Doug Ford government uh, continue to inflict harm on Canadians. And so I authored a sensible, moderate letter to the Premier asking that we factor in the collateral harm, the disastrous harm of lockdowns into our public health response. And uh, unfortunately, the government didn't see too kindly to that. And uh, I was removed from the Ontario PC caucus. Since then, I consider I continue to fight for our democracy, our children, um, against lockdowns, against passports, against mandates. Uh, and I invite yourself and your viewers to join me and work with me and campaign with me until every single Canadian has every single one of their rights fully restored. Uh, okay, now, we, 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 Robin, Roman, what is your website where people can go and see your platform, see your policies? Uh, joinroman.ca. Jordan Roman. No, join. Joinroman.ca. Okay. Now let's get an update on where things are at. You're running for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, tell everybody, not to give free publicity to your competitors, but who is running for the leadership of the Conservative Party? So we have five candidates in total in the race. This is after Patrick Brown was removed by the Conservative Party from the race. We have remaining myself, Pierre Poiliev, Jean Charest, Leslie Lewis, and Scott Atchison. The, okay, race we're gonna is, go- the race is almost at its conclusion. Ballots are coming in. And to those of you that are Conservative Party members, uh, I ask you to please mail your ballot this week. You probably have another week left until you're pushing it very close with elections with uh, Canada Post. Your ballot is due on September 6th. If you're going to get it in, uh, you should send it in this week by mail. Uh, I want to go through each of those candidates one by one. Uh, let me just ask this. Is there any internal polling to show who might be leading, who might be trailing, or to show where the respective candidates stand in respect of each other? There's a lot of polling out there. There's no question that Pierre Poliev is um, uh, running a very strong race. Uh, he's, um, of course, has excellent social media presence and uh, enjoyed the benefit of um, being um, a shadow minister of finance for a number of years. Quite, quite a vocal guy. Uh, and um, 
there's there's some thinking that maybe Jean Charest is uh, is also competitive, although uh, I'm not exactly sure. Look, Viva, at the end of the day, David, it's very, very important that we emerge as united. And I appreciate that there are many dissenting opinions within the party, and I agree with some of my friends more than others. But I can't conceive uh, the return of another liberal government. And, and that's something, that's a bone I got to pick with you gently. Do it. I mean, now's the time. Your, your uh, okay. argument, well, so your so, argument, Roman, is going to be we have to vote conservative, abandon the PPC because it's your best option. If you split the vote with the PPC, a liberal government might come in with a minority or a coalition with the NDP. Look, I, I say to folks that I meet on the road all the time, I appreciate why many former conservative voters or, or, or voters generally went and, and voted for the PPC. I, I understand. I understand that a lot feel that the Conservative Party has abandoned them, that it did not stand up for them in the last couple of years against, against the mandates, against the passports, did not defend their children against the mental health pandemic that's been perpetuated against them. I agree. The Conservative Party used to stand on principle. That's what distinguished it from the Liberals. And, and in fact, that's why I ask for, for your viewers' vote, those that are voting in this leadership, is that they helped me shake up the Conservative Party. So they, so they stand on principle again, and they remember that we need to say what we believe and do what we believe is right, even when it's unpopular, and certainly not wait for the trucker convoy to come to town and rescue us or liberate us. So uh, I've been on this for, for a couple of years now. Uh, I've been the only elected mainstream conservative that opposed the common narrative. Look, I, I don't disagree with you. They, they were afraid to be canceled. They were afraid to be kicked out of caucus. They're afraid to be canceled by the culture mob or, or the Twitter mob, what have you. Uh, I'm running to restore uh, a, a culture of, of responsibility and conscience to the Conservative Party. But if you maybe team me up for another question with respect to bringing you back or anyone else back, I should probably stop and take a breath. Well, t- take a breath. There. I, got, I got other questions that I want to ask in the meantime. I'm just looking at some stats in the back. I can't find any, but it doesn't look like Charest is even close. I got a question about Charest. He's a, he's a liberal. I mean, what am I wrong or did, was he not a liberal at one point in his life? OK, so I'm, I'm not here to speak for or defend any other candidate in the race. Oh, no, that's, that's not that's not a defense. That's it. I don't understand but, what what yeah. makes Charest even a, a conservative okay, in well, any sense. Well, first of all, the democratic process does not preclude you. If you're a party member and and, and you want to contest a nomination, uh, then provided you have nothing checkered uh, or nothing, no criminal record, you, you should be able to contest a nomination. Uh, the, the issue that we have to consider is that the political rail in Quebec is very different than it is in the rest of Canada. I joke with some people that uh, Quebec conservatives are liberals. And, and we also have to appreciate that we have a different flavor of conservatives coast to coast. In British Columbia, you don't even have conservatives. Uh, and at the same time, the NDP government, arguably the NDP slash Green government, in British Columbia was a lot more right-wing than the Doug Ford government in Ontario on, on COVID response. They didn't have schools closed as much. They, they didn't have a mandate, uh, a mask mandate that went on for that long. So I'm not even sure that some of these things are applicable anymore. And I'm going to tell you, Jean Charest and myself, we don't agree on many things, maybe four out of five, five, sorry, four out of 10, five out of 10 at best. But I still believe that we have to welcome all flavor of conservatives, and that includes red Tories as well. Okay, I come from the blue side of the conservative party, even though I'm 
moderate on, cent on, on social issues, even though I'd call myself more of a libertarian on social issues. But at the same time, we have to appreciate that there's about 20 to 25 percent of the conservative party that are that, that go towards the center and, and, and they need to have a voice in our party as well. And, and that goes to the point that you made of, of bringing you back or, or uniting our party. I want to I want to take a deep breath for a moment. OK, David, and, and, and just imagine for a moment, it's the day after the next federal election. And Justin Trudeau is back in power. Or Christia Freeland is now the prime minister. How do you feel about that? I'm very, very scared. I can't imagine a life in our country if that happens. And so I'm going to do my darnest when this race is over on September 10th to do everything. I'll bleed I'll, I'll plead and beg you to come back and I'll plead to to the centrist to to say, please, we need you to come in now. I'll go to the social conservatives and I say, I'm sorry, we didn't offer you democracy. We, we owe you parliamentary democracy. We'll go to the West and say, we'll never alienate the West again. And that includes a, nat a vibrant natural resources plan, any equalization, having voter parity. I get it. But please give us a chance to earn your vote and let's try and keep the centrists so we can survive, so we can survive. Okay, so, well, let me ask you this. You said the votes are coming in. What's the deadline for the vote for the leadership? The deadline for your ballot to be received in Ottawa is September 6th, which means that if you're mailing it with a self-addressed envelope, you want to drop it in the mail no later than August 23rd, which is a week from today. Now, I'm going to bring up one comment only because I know I see George giving you a hard time. I'm not going to bring up the other comments. I'll say one thing about you, Roman, not about anybody else, specifically you and specifically Roman for everybody watching. Roman was putting himself on the front line before it was even politically popular to do so. So as an individual, and I've said this to Roman privately and I'll say it publicly, as an individual, I like Roman and trust him and know, and know that he's been pretty ballsy as a political uh Say not as a leader, but as a politician, as a member of parliament, provincial parliament. I, same is not true of the Conservative Party at large. And that's where I'll bring up another one, Roman. It'll, it'll give you a, a, it'll give the best argument. Rob A says, Viva, you ran for the PPC, tried to convince voters NDP was not a viable alternative to the Liberals. You wanted to defeat the Liberals. Now you will not support the viable party that can defeat Trudeau. Uh, that's true. I mean, okay. Now the question is this. Tell me why you think I should compromise my, let me rephrase it. The Conservative Party has proven to be totally useless under O'Toole. And I would say even more destructive than the Liberals, because at least we know Trudeau is who he is. Not going to change, maybe just going to get more transparent with his awfulness. The Conservatives were even worse flip-flopping on the biggest issues, conceding on the biggest issues, and turning the Conservative Party into nothing better than the Liberals. So there was no difference to vote for them. Convince someone as to why they should now vote for the party uh, on the basis that the party will do something prospectively when they haven't done it historically. Well, the party is going to come under new leadership. And if arguably that leadership shares your ideological persuasion, and at least on the face of it, presents a viable alternative to get us out of the mess we're in and, and take us back in the democracy direction, 
then I think we owe it to our country to, to give it an opportunity. But that is not to say that we don't need to earn it and, and not to present a credible alternative that you have to take at face value. Look, um, I'm so scared for Canada's democracy. And, and some of your viewers know I have a unique perspective on democracy. And that's because for the first nine years of my life, I, I was uh, born and lived in the former Soviet Union. I, I lived under a communist regime and I know how fragile and how precious our democracy is. And, and I look at what's happening in our democracy right now. One of the main tenets is that we respect individual choice. And, and for the record, we still agree that it's still a choice. And, and COVID is no reason to abridge any human choice. And yet, when we tell someone that, that they can put food on the table as a condition of weighing that against their personal health, it's not just inhumane. It's no longer a choice. We're still treating 15% of Canadians like second-class citizens. I have former constituents that are unable to visit a loved one in a long-term care home. You know, especially not letting family visit, especially at end of life, is one of the most evil things we've ever done. We're seeing a remarkable abridgment of our freedom of speech, the holy grail of all rights, because through speech we defend all other rights and all other Canadians. And, and we have government legislation now making its way through Parliament that will abridge my ability to say what I say and, and will at the same time reorder allow a bureaucrat to reorder what you and I see online or say online or how often and which frequency. This is unthinkable. So our democracies, and, and I appreciate that you're saying, well, your track record d- does not meet my expectations, but, but if our alternative and, and our future prospect meets your expectations, then would you please entertain that possibility? I will not commit right now, but I will ask you this. I think I know the answer. Where do you stand on defunding the CBC? I will defund the CBC on day one, and it's a crown corporation, so I'll spin it off and I'll sell it off. And I'm not going to let Rogers or Bell buy it. This is very important. We need less media monopolies, okay? So I'm not going to let any of the big players buy it. On freedom of speech, I want to I add this. So in addition to the CBC, we need to end all the bailouts and, and the subsidies. It wasn't just a $600 million round in 2019. There was another round. In 2021, $62 million right before an election. Right before an election, the media hands the government hands over the media money. It's like a banana republic. And we need to add the end the advertising, this record advertising that government has been doing on the news media as well. We need to end all financial dependency of media on government. That's a very important tenant of our freedom of speech. And, and just to round off the speech point, repeal the legislation end the financial dependency by media, defend regulated professionals. I think that if regulated healthcare professionals were able to speak freely without fear of reprisal in the last couple of years, we would have been out of this mess years ago. And finally, there's work to do with the social media giants as well. They're platforms. They're not content creators. They should not be enjoying some of the liability protection that they do now. I'm going to get the Bureau of Competition to have a serious look with them. at them. I'm confident we'll get a negotiated agreement to defend Canadians' free speech online, which is the most important thing. Defending our freedom of speech is the most important thing we need to do to defend our democracy. Um, Bill C-11 has not passed the Senate yet, has it? It has not. Thank goodness. Okay, I thought I missed some news. How would you fix the broken economy of debt? How, how do we get out of this financially? I mean, I guess you, at least you save a billion dollars right off the bat if you defund the CBC. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a bunch of savings. First of all, I'm going to rein in spending to the rate of target inflation, which, which would be 2% a year. 
in, in terms of increases. Second of all, uh, I'm going to most importantly unleash our economic opportunity by unleashing and releasing the blessing that is our natural resources. I think Canada's natural resources are a blessing. I'm not going to let oil and gas be canceled. And it's good for our strategic interests and economic bottom line. And it's also good for the planet because Canadians can derive and, and produce energy cleaner and safer than any other nation on earth. And so I'm going to look for a massive economic expansion by turning Canada into the natural resources superpower that it ought to be. Someone's asking the question. I think I know the answer. Why is he running for the Conservatives and not the PPC? Look, I've, I've always been conservative. Uh, it's, it's my party. And I'm fighting for the soul of one of Canada's mainstream parties. And, and the Conservative Party is one of them. And I believe that we are broad enough to be able to entertain diversity of opinion and, and welcome Canadians coast to coast regardless of, of their political affiliation. I, um, again, I understand why folks went and, and, and voted last time around the, the way you have and, and for the party that you have campaigned. I, I get it. One source of disagreement perhaps I have with the PPC is that I'm, I'm very much in favor of legal immigration in Canada. I'm an immigrant to Canada and I've had every blessing this country had to offer and I've contributed immensely to our country. I paid a lot of tax. I serve my community and hope to serve again. And, and we have a major labor shortage right now. We have a shrinking labor force, uh, aging population, and, and we need workers desperately skilled workers, unskilled workers. We're heading towards a demographic catastrophe. And so I, I think that we need to encourage legal immigration, not illegal immigration, but legal immigration, and, and that means changing the tone that the conservative movement typically had on immigration, and that also means appealing and speaking to new communities. We have to do that to enlarge our base and, and to win in the cities and the GTA. Someone says to Roman, what actionable things will you do to shake up things? I think, I think you got to this in a, in a meaningful way. It's only a question of, I, I won't ask, I, I don't expect you to come here and do the publicity for the other leaders. What issues the Conservative Party in general are they in agreement on? Defunding CBC, responsible immigration, unlocking, unleashing natural resources, uh, repealing. Does the Conservative Party as a party undertake to enact whatever legislation would be required to ensure that the government never again has the right to lock people in their homes or compel vaccination of, un, uh, let me rephrase, novel treatments? I'm a very big fan of Canada's constitution and I teach it a little bit. And I, I can think of, of, of some legislative reform that we can conceive. For instance, I'm going to propose to amend the Canada Health Act to make sure that we never discriminate against uh, someone because of their healthcare choice or their medical status. I would have thought that that would have been read into human rights legislation or uh, protected by the charter. It's not the legislation that's at issue. It's the interpretation, it's the application of legislation. And unfortunately, in the last couple of years, judges and the courts have not been immune to the bizarre world that we've been living in. And as a result, uh, cited consistently with public health without actually testing the evidence. In addition to some legislative reform, what we really need to do is 
We need to empower each other as Canadians, as conservatives, as, as people that, that love individual choice and, and freedom to speak and, and stand up for one another. And, and that's why I'm saying that speech is so important. So many more, I'm sure, uh, occupants of, of the bench, by that I mean judges, would have probably had more courage had they to, to push back against the government if they felt that they had cover from the street, uh, from popular culture. But unfortunately, they did not. And so every institution had failed. I have faith that uh, sensibility will return to the courts and, and so will expression. But, but we need to push not just against the lockdowns and, and, and the mandates per se. We need to push against the radical left-wing, essentially communist culture that, that brought all of this about, that, that rolled over any dissent that demonized anyone that potentially disagreed with it. It's a cultural and political and ideological fight that we're in, David. Roman, let me ask you one question. Someone had asked, I can't find the comment now. Uh, Ukraine, Canada's involvement in the war between Russia and Ukraine, what's your stance on that? My stance differs somewhat, somewhat from, from the other candidates on this. I think that we got to do everything possible to end this conflict. Okay? instead of figuring out ways to fuel the conflict. The conflict. It's, it's not good for either nation. And, and half my family is from Ukraine, we're Odessa Jews, and half my family is from Russia. And this is just a tragic situation, and it's also bad for global economy. It's, it's bad for food supply. It's bad for energy. In, in Europe, we need to talk about ending this conflict, and no one's doing that, and that is where I propose we should go. Uh, I don't know why the chat thinks you have anything to do with the WEF. Roman, are we going to Google your name and WEF and see a landing page on the WEF? No. What's, your, what's your position on the WEF, Roman? It's, just, it's unfortunate. Like, if, if you're just in a political class these days, people just immediately dismiss you. And that's, and that's too bad that, that so many of your viewers or, or generally people generally today are so cynical about politics. And, and, and this is what I invite that we need to rethink. And this is what I think my candidacy brings to the table. I say it how it is, even if people disagree with me and, and I'm not worried about votes. So here it goes on the web. I've never had any communications with them and and I and and I, I've never been a member. But what I would say is that I'm more worried about the radical left-wing ideology, the communist ideology that the WEF espouses. And it's not just in the WEF. It's in the World Bank, it's in the United Nations, it's in the IMF, okay? And unfortunately, it's an ideology that we have seen before. It's not new. It wasn't Klaus Schwab who said, you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. It was Karl Marx who said that like 150 years ago. And this radical ideology is not only in these international institutions now, it seeped into... Every domestic institution, it's in your provincial government, it's in your municipal government, it's in your school board. Okay, it's definitely in your school board. And so we need to expose, to shine a light on this ideology and expose it for what it is, which is a very radical left that can only affect it by force against people's will, because we don't want to redistribute. We don't want to erode our nation state. We don't want to force each other to do things against our will. And I think that this message will resonate with Canadians. We are generally cool, and, and this, this thing that happened with the VAX will hopefully 
Canadians are now coming around to this and, and this will end. We don't want to tell each other how to live. We want to love our families, work hard and have government leave us alone. And the best thing that folks can do to defeat this WEF ideology in Canada is to get rid of Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland. I'll ask this. Someone's asking if you've ever attended any WF events. I don't care about that. No. But my question is this. Uh, if if I were to run for Again, office. Again, never attended any events. Never well, had any communications. Here's never been a member. Get over it. No, I, I cannot. I could even give up. I could give a pass to someone who attended a WEF event. My charger. Sorry, my computer is low on power. Bear with me for a go, second. Go with it. I, I'll, I'll tell the chat. I can understand how someone ended up at a WEF event or even went to see what you know, see what it looks like. At some point, you do need to know your enemy. My my question is this: and Roman, if I ever were to become Prime Minister of Canada uh, or any influential member of Parliament, the first thing I would do is actually enact some form of legislation that would effectively preclude our politicians from having any associations with or being entitled to attend these these events which are intended to dictate national policy from unelected, global, whatever the hell they want to call themselves. What would you be able to do to dissociate, to unpenetrate the WEF from the Canadian government? I can't imagine another conservative politician in the right mind attending a WEF event. Okay. Like it's, it's not going to happen. And, but I suggest that we need to be thinking in a different direction. I think we have a major opportunity right now as, as conservatives to, and, and by that, I don't mean capital C conservatives, but small C conservatives as, as freedom loving democracy, loving people to turn on these international institutions, to turn on them and say, you have, you have no credibility left. The World Health Organization has no credibility left. The WF espouses a lot of hate. The United Nations lost all credibility whatsoever. We have commissions, right? When we think about some of these UN commissions, I, li- I like to joke about this. The, the principal member of, of the Human Rights Committee is uh, Iran. And on the Committee of Refugees, it's Syria. And the status of women, it's Saudi Arabia. Okay, it's a joke what's happening in these international institutions. We have friends right now. I don't think we should disconnect ourselves from the world because then we may be able to, to lose an ability to affect world events and we still need to affect them. Um, but we have friends in South America, the ones that are not communists. We have friends um, in, in Eastern Europe that are fed up with this, that don't want this. We need to turn on them and expose them. And I'm, gonna st- I'm not going to play pretend. I'm going to call them for the communist hypocrites that all of them are. That should be clear enough, chat. Uh, I, I, I know that everyone is, everyone's a WEF mole. Everyone's controlled opposition, whatever. Um, I, if I ever become a politician, there, there has to be a formal official dissociation. This, these, these global institutions should have no role to play in dictating or influencing national politics. That's for the citizens. Can, not I, can for I continue a, to alienate some of your viewers? Oh, go, go for it. Go for it. A lot of the, the public, a lot of folks have a misconception as to how this works. What ties the WF together with Justin Trudeau is not that they are having him or, or members of his cabinet as a puppet. What ties them together 
is that they agree with one another on the fact that they want to intervene in our lives, on the fact that they know best, on the fact that it's expected that we would make concessions with respect to our lifestyle, such as, for instance, we will eat uh, less beef and, and we will farm less and in exchange we'll, we'll have to um, eat crickets and I'm not eating any crickets. David, politicians are not, in my view, bought largely by or, or controlled by these institutions. They're either driven by their misguided ideology, a very left-wing ideology, or they're simply afraid of political correctness because they're afraid for their seats. Mm -hmm. For many of these people, this is the best job they ever had. Okay, so so they get a steady salary and on the federal level, they get a pension. And that's enough to dissuade them to go against the grain. That's all it is. And and look, I, I don't care to talk about myself. In the last couple of years, I've paid a remarkable price to to my political career and, and to the well-being of my family. And it, it's been very, very tough being the subject of a lot of attack by the left. But oh, I, I, I can... Uh... Someone says, so you haven't gone far enough yet. Declare them a terrorist organization. Okay, uh, Roman, two questions, specific ones. Guns and abortion. I, I come from one of the heaviest, uh, one of the writings in the country that have the most gun violence in the country. And all of it is with illegal guns. And that's what we need to convey very clearly. Almost all gun crime is perpetuated with unlawful guns, not by criminals, not with legal guns, by law-abiding Canadians. And so nothing the liberal, any liberal government has done in the last 30 years to try and control guns has had any effect on gun crime. What we need to do is we need to focus on where the problem is, which is at the border. The CBA, the Canada Border Agency, is a dysfunctional agency, bad culture, understaffed, bad morale, and the flow of guns is, is what's really contributing to this crisis that we have, not lawful guns. So I'll repeal the regulation and the legislation. On abortion, I come more from a libertarian wing on social issues. I Just like we don't want the Justin Trudeau uh, government telling us how to lead our lives, I don't believe that uh, a conservative government should tell people how to lead their lives either. And I, I'm not sure that I have the role to tell a family that now they have to grow. What I will, however, say is that I will allow full parliamentary democracy to social conservatives. And that means that they should be able to run and I will not cut a conservative candidate like uh, O'Toole would do. And I would not prevent anyone from introducing legislation uh, in parliament. That's their fundamental duty as a parliamentarian. And I will allow people to vote their conscience because I was made to vote against my conscience. And I'm never going to, uh, to do that to anyone. Okay, let me let me let me think if I'm missing anything. Hold on, I had some starred questions. Let's talk about the environment. Let's talk about where we need to take this fight against this radical left. Hold okay. on, this yeah. one right here: legalized sure. suicide. Now, my my brother just made me aware of the fact that apparently in Canada, uh, we have had ten thousand assisted medically assisted deaths for a population of thirty million which unless I've misunderstood the numbers compares to like 450 for California for a similar population, what on earth is going on? And what do you do about this piece of legislation that has now expanded the terms and the application of medically assisted suicides to the mentally unwell? 
I, I was shocked by that number myself. Uh, I'm even more shocked by an article that I just read um, or a headline that I just saw literally moments before I logged in that an army veteran who was wounded uh, and sustained a brain injury was offered medical, uh, was offered made by uh, Veterans offered. Affairs. Offered. It's, okay. Offered. I'm sorry. Just, just unthinkable. So, look, so, so the word here, the key word is consent. And that's what I will do. I will review all this legislation and I will tighten up consent. It has to be informed consent. It has to be consent that is free of duress or, or it made on a sound mind. I'm not even sure how a minor could consent. A minor can't consent to, to a tattoo, cannot consent to a marriage license, but can consent to take their own life. Um, I don't get it. I don't get Let it. Let me ask you this. And now that you've actually segued into it, Transgender therapy for uh, for minors. Where do you stand on that? I think that so. So first of all, generally on 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 transgender rights, I think that we should respect people's choices and and let them lead lives in the manner that they want to lead them. People are people, and um, if they want to be referred to in a certain way, then then why not respect that? We should not penalize anyone. We should not, we have the freedom. We don't have the freedom to be free of offense. There's no such freedom because just the mere existence of us would offend someone. So my, my view is, however, we should not put someone in legal jeopardy, in criminal jeopardy, if they're basically doing their job or if they're fulfilling a normal function in a community. And that's what I'm worried about, about the legislation. If a, if a person comes for a consultation with a rabbi or a priest and they say this may be against our religion, then I, I would be very, very afraid. But that- well, uh, let me ask you this more specifically. Would you, would you enact legislation that would prohibit transition therapy or permanent uh, transition therapy or surgeries on minors? For transitioning, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I'm having difficulties understanding consent, just like I have consent questions with respect to maid. We certainly allow for some decisions. We allow uh, young people to make decisions in family court, starting from age 12, 13. So I'm not going to commit to anything that specific. I don't. I don't think that this is as clear cut. What I don't want to do is I don't want to criminalize any behavior by uh, by a parent or by a clergy person. All right. Um, and you had one more thing that you want to mention about the environment. I'm not even sure what 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 the, the environmental question is a falsified debate as if there's anybody out there who who wants to actively harm the environment. The only question is. Is what they're talking about actually helping it? And is it causing more harm in other manners? But what do you want to say on the environment before we, uh, before we wind up? We need to have courage to address the environmental radical left and not be afraid. Just like Canadians were afraid to speak about mandates or passports or lockdowns, we should not be afraid of the radical environmental left. I, for instance, I'm comfortable saying that I do not believe the taxing Sally $10 at the gas pump every time she fills up is going to change the global climate. I don't think anyone believes that anymore. 
taxing you $10 at the gas pump is not going to change the global climate. And we should not be afraid to say that. And at the same time, we should not be afraid to say that government cannot override our lifestyle choices. And that means that we should not or hinder our ability to work or produce. We don't need to farm less, we need to farm more. We don't need to manufacture less, we need to manufacture more. And we certainly need to unleash our natural resources. But, but we need to, to attack the other side, even within their own framework. They can't, meet, they can't meet their own goals. Canada produces less than a percent and a half of all global emissions, even if we were to cut all of them by their own standards, by their own science. It's not clear that that would make any material effect on the climate. We know where the polluters are. They're in China and in India and in Russia. So why would we continue a discussion of potentially shooting ourselves in the foot? Look, I don't know how much good I've done myself with this interview today. I'm just going to say everybody needs to take a deep breath. Step back. Simmer down. And you might not agree with me 100% on on issues of choice or issues of, of life. Okay, but why not allow for some disagreement between civil people? Because at the end of the day, we agree on eight out of 10 or, or seven and a half out of 10. And there are a lot of Canadians on the other side as well. And we can try and find a sensible middle without compromising our values. And that means not saying things with, that we don't believe, like that Klaus Schwab is running the world. What a clown that guy is. We give him way too much credit. <laughs> I don't they he's got he's got a little they've got a little too much influence this in is terms of no but okay I get it he's a typical communist like all of them are and what Tedaris is not Tedaris from the WHO has a lot more influence oh yeah but, but I, I think people night. are gonna say people are gonna argue that they're all part and parcel of the same you know it's a it's no a they're not party. so that's the thing I'm arguing that and that's what people don't understand they're part and parcel of the same ideology the struggle is not with an institution the struggle is with the radical communist left that has been purveying this earth for 150 years, that my family has been fighting against for the last 100 years, that has been very, very acutely on the move in Western society for the last 40 years. Okay, your, your kid's teacher, um, him or, or she or he do not have any connection to the WF, but they're teaching your kid the same ideology that they espouse, especially when they teach them critical race theory that they can't succeed because of who they are, or they got to feel some sort of guilt because of who they are. Okay. You don't need that central thing that people are thinking of. It's a nasty ideology that we must reject. Okay. I'm going to end with the following David, dude, you got to give us the benefit of the doubt. Got to give us the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I I'll tell you, Roman, I didn't even tell people to vote for me when I ran for office. I don't tell people who to vote for. I tell people what I think, and I give the platform. Pierre, I haven't really reached out in any meaningful sense, is welcome to come on as well. The issue is now, this is the pre-stage to what, do we know if there's going to be a federal election called within the year? Is, 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 are the rumorings that there will be? It's anyone's guess. Uh, I, I doubt there will be, um, but I would welcome one because we can't afford another day of him. Mm. And the only, but, but this is another important thing to to suggest that I do not see another way out of this other than an election. The only way out of the mess we're in is an election because that's how we're going to end. And I, I want to end uh, on 
on a note of, of optimism. We can end this. We, we can improve everything that ails us very quickly. Extricate ourselves out of the public health exercise. Restore our democracy. Very simple. By freeing the media and social media and repealing the line defending regulated professionals. Restore democracy and develop our natural resources. And if we just do those three things, everything will be okay. And I actually think that the Trudeau liberals are in trouble. He lost his shine. He's got four or five ministers in trouble. The media is turning on him. We can do this. We can beat him if we emerge out of this leadership united. And, and we can restore our normal back. And that's all I want. I don't care about the office. I, I, don't, I, I don't care even about being prime minister. I'll be fine practicing law and being left alone. I just, I love our country. And I remember what it was like in the country where I was born. And I never want to have that here in my home country. And that means we've got to win this ideological battle that we're fighting. And that means that on our side, the right side of the ideological aisle, even if we sometimes disagree, we have to embrace one another going forward so we can win and survive. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens after the election, uh, Roman. Uh, I do, I do, I've said it from the beginning. I like you. Poliev, I like, but he was a little late to the game. I'm proud to say I turned on Trudeau before the media did, <laughs> but well, well after other people. Uh, let's do a follow up after the, the, the last. So you, the mail in ballots are now. Is there an actual in person? thingy thing or is that not how it works there's no in person drop it in the mail if you want to if you want to read more about our platform join roman.ca to those of you that are not sure how to rank please rank me first okay there's no vote splitting you don't have to worry that if you vote for roman then jean Charest wins uh no you can rank me first and then rank another candidate a more popular or another candidate behind me that's if i don't win and but it doesn't work the other way around. I hear from a lot of people that I'm their second choice. I will only get your second choice ballot if your first choice finishes in last place, if they fall off the ballot. So please switch us around. Give me your vote to send a strong message to the Conservative Party that we want out of this nightmare, that we reject COVID policies the last couple of years, that we have a strong democracy wing within the Conservative Party, and that we reward politicians that do the right thing. Okay. Excellent. Roman, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Dave. Godspeed. God bless. We'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. All right. Have a good one. All right, people. That's one of the candidates for the conservative leadership currently running. Uh, there's Leslin Lewis, Jean Charest, uh, Pierre Polièvre, Roman Baber, and the fifth one, not trying to be mean. I, I, I forget his name and, and can never remember it. Uh, for anyone Canadian watching, snip clip and you people voting for the leadership, you, ha you have more info now than you did 40 minutes ago. That being said, we've got another man who's been on the channel at least once. I think it was twice, but I might be confusing our respective crossovers. Jim Carajalios, founder of the New Blue Party, which is something of a provincial conservative party. I'll, I forget exactly how to describe it. They just had provincial elections. We were supposed to do a follow-up the day after, then it became the week after, and then it became now. So... We're having back on Jim Carajalios. Jim, how you doing, sir? Good. It's always good to talk to you. How you doing? The time just flew, eh? Like it's almost it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. Three. We were supposed to do it the day after something came up. Then you got you had a cold. Well, a cold. I don't remember what it was. And then we just then you know life happens. Um, so first of all, uh, 
for, I, for, for anybody who doesn't know you, who are you? What's the new blue party? And then what happened to the election? Provincial party in Ontario, uh, founded by my wife and I, uh, Belinda, the former MPP for the riding at Cambridge. And we ran up against the conservative establishment with things like axe the carbon tax, with things like fighting internal party voter fraud, the provincial conservative party, and shenanigans in the federal conservative party. If only Roman was in a free and fair election for leader, then we would see what people had to say about uh, his ideas. But he's not because the conservative party, they already know who's going to be the leader of that party. And then my wife took the lead against Doug Ford's COVID policies, voted against his his lockdown bill. And uh, she got kicked out. We both got kicked out of the party. 19 others on the Cambridge Riding Association for the PC party got kicked out. And a year and a half ago, we started the new Blue Party of Ontario. And uh, we've been we worked really hard to get 124 candidates registered in our first campaign. I fought through bone cancer and my femur. I was laid out for uh, most of 2021, the latter part of 2020, got back on my feet in the fall. Wasn't even fully walking again. Got right on the campaign by the fall and new year of 2022. We were uh, um, approving candidates, putting it in place. And we got through our first election campaign. I know, Viva, you weren't happy with the results because Belinda I, didn't retain her seats. And you know Sidebar, sidebar. The first time I was on, I was calling you Viva. And I just called you again because it just oh, says it right there. Viva Fry. I, don't I, I, I answer to Viva on the streets these okay. days. And then I have a guy on our team when I came off and he said, he said to me, his name's not Viva. And I'm like, I know his name's not Viva. <laughs> well, so I, it's like right there, Viva Fry. And I want to Jim, a lot of people for two years when they discovered the channel, when it started getting big thought my name was Viva. Then I said, and then they said, who's David in the chat? I was like, dude, I'm David. And everyone <laughs> felt, um, yeah, no, Jim, I, I was disappointed. And I, I, I Belinda didn't uh, re retain her seat. I, from what I understand, you didn't get a seat uh, in Ontario. I appreciate everything that goes into starting a new party, getting a full slate, getting a certain amount of, of votes. I was, I was disappointed when the PPC didn't get one seat across Canada, but got, you know, close to a million votes because I'm, I'm I'm childish. Uh, I don't have patience, and I don't uh, really like playing the political game. But tell us why. For those of us out there like me who are disappointed, they see all the work you put in, the hell you had to go through, despite health issues. You ran it. You put everything you had into it. Didn't get a seat. Tell us why we should not be upset. So it was a window of eighteen months, and we really were not operating at full steam ahead for those eighteen months. Obviously, because I was sick, and you're building a party. And to get 124 candidates in place without any institutional support, right? Like we didn't have, it was great to see guys like Roman follow us and finally agree to be against the carbon tax after initially being for it. And he followed Belinda's lead and he came out against the lockdowns when he voted in favor of it. But he didn't support the new blue. Uh, Randy Hilliard didn't support the new blue. Establishment figures across the board, uh, others, and, in, and these advocacy groups didn't support the new blue. Networks like the True North News didn't want to talk about the new blue. We're lucky that uh, you covered uh, and interviewed me and others independents covered us, true independents. But despite all those challenges and others trying to set up fake opposition parties, we got 124 candidates in place, 123 finished the race. Since the election, we've set up and registered 124 riding associations, and we got more votes in our first election than Max Bernier uh, got in the PPC's first election in Ontario. And we're up against a couple parties, three parties, 
And the Greens have been around for 30 years, but the other two, the Liberals and PCs, over 100 years, right? And so our first challenge is people have to know uh, who the new Blue Party is. And there's over 10 million people in Ontario. And it look, it's unrealistic to think in a year, 10 million people are going to hear about the new Blue Party. And as well, much as... especially. Especially when you effectively get shut out of any mainstream media that gets the automatic airwaves or the automatic television waves. Right. And and then on top of that, if you do know who the new blue is, you know who Belinda is, you know who Jim is, but you don't you don't we don't have the longevity yet where a voter says, you know what? Uh that was funny. David yeah. is yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I gotta look, not look at the screen. I gotta look right in the. I'm not. Web. I'm not bringing. I'm not bringing any more up, Jim. I'll, I'll bring them up after. It's funny, they're amazing. It's like amazing. I wish I could be that funny sometimes. So, they they know who the new blue is. Other voters, but are they sold that we have the infrastructure in place and the people behind it, where we could be the opposition, where we could be the third party? So, and then like we had people. If you look on social media, people who were so upset with Doug Ford for two years. And, they, and a few of them went back and voted PC because they got scared into, well, we can't have another liberal government. So a lot of people don't know that the PCs are doing exactly the same as the liberals. And we have to work through that. And that's not a quick fix. As much as I, we want to be in there as the opposition or the third party in our first election in a year, we're running against some brands that uh, have been around for a really long time. We got more votes in our first election than any party since the 1930s. So that's historic. And a lot of this stuff, this growth in political circles, it's a, it's a little analogous to you start a business, right? You start a business and you're puttering along with a sales. And then all of a sudden there's a tipping point where your sales just spike up. It's the same thing with starting a political party. You get the 125,000 votes in your first go ahead. It's not every election you're only going to add another 125,000 votes. And so we're very optimistic about the future, but we got to fight through it. And the only way to earn votes in politics, as much as we like to see um, social media influence and as, as much as we like to talk about media and, no. and social media, this is all important. But someone who's watching you right now is going to have the clincher to vote New Blue if they have a conversation with someone who's already on our team or supporting us. And that will clinch it for them. And that takes time. And there will be a tipping point, And we got to keep working through it. But even though... We don't have a seat. We are going to continue to do what we've done for years before Belinda was elected in the first two years that Belinda was an MPP. And then when she got kicked out and we didn't have the new blue party set up, which is challenge the establishment brass, the left wing politics in Ontario. And that's going to help uh, change the narrative across Canada. We did the Axe to Carbon Tax campaign. Pierre Polyev wasn't supporting it back then. He was quiet on Axe to Carbon Tax. Now he's running a leadership and his tagline is axe the carbon tax. We've pressured the Ford PCs over the last two years to reverse course on policies. They are, they're going to do it quietly. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, we changed course because of this new party called the New Blue. Of course not. And you see other politicians like you had Roman who've come on side after the fact. He's not going to talk about us, not going to say Belinda or Jim. But we're going to keep challenging uh, the narrative, changing the narrative and changing the course uh, for the next four years and and keep building up until the next election. And we're going to help those in the new blue family who are running uh, for municipal politics. Uh, a lot of people step forward. Municipal elections coming up in October. Okay, that's good, actually. That was my question is provincial elections, are they determined or can they be triggered early like federal in Ontario? Uh, they're determined uh, end of October, October 20 something. Um, the campaign's actually already on. It's it's interesting. Uh, provincial elections, uh, I think, start in like June or something. 
months in advance. And then there's a deadline uh, later this week to register across Ontario. But the election date is fixed. But there's no political parties in municipal elections. And, um, uh, you know, a political party can't officially run candidates under a banner. Um, it's, it's the way the left kind of disguises. Oh, no, no, municipal politics are just, you know, nonpartisan affairs. There's no political parties. But most of the trustee and councillor spots uh, end up getting taken by left-wing ideologues. Uh, because a lot of conservatives don't run and the left has the institution uh, in place to recruit candidates. So we've had a couple webinars uh, very quickly. Other groups jumped forward, copied our webinars. We've reached out to people on our email list to encourage them to run. And after the end of this week, we'll see who's registered and try to give support to those running for trustee and running for council. So that's something else that's going on. It's been very busy. Like it hasn't slowed down well, since the election. That was more of the question. When when would be the next provincial elections uh, for MPPs? Is it so? Because Ford got a majority, yeah. and um, because the MPPs in his caucus are just going to toe the party line like they always do, um, we're looking at four years. Now, something can happen uh, earlier if a bunch of them uh, quit the PC uh, caucus and the PC party, and he goes down to a minority. But we're looking at twenty twenty six, and um, I already look. It was like a couple weeks after the election and we put out a graphic. I can't remember. We're talking about how Ford is going to just present the same left wing budget, a good budget if you're a liberal, which is exactly what he did last week. And his top pollster, Nick Kuvalis, who's Tory's advisor and Ford's advisor, starts attacking me on Twitter. Like I, what, like this guy's got nothing better to do. He's the top advisor for the mayor of Toronto and the premier of Ontario. And they're attacking me on Twitter, calling me names because we're challenging the budgetary measures of the PC. So you could see that even though the next election's not um, until 2026, everything they do, they're worried about the criticism from us. Because even though we got 125,000 votes and we don't have a seat, we are the opposition because the liberals and the NDP largely agree with everything the PCs do. They're just copying the playbook. So we can hold their feet to the fire in the meantime from outside the legislature. So, I mean, that's okay. But to keep yourself busy, not just politically relevant, but politically growing for the next four years. So, you're going to, you're going to support the local municipal elections, trustees and whatever. I, I can't pretend to know how that works. And then what? Just keep plugging away, keep putting out messages, keep staying involved. How do you stay involved in provincial politics now for the next, you know, at least say four years at most uh, and continue to grow? What's the strategy? What's the plan of action? So I'm not going to give you the secret sauce because you got to have me back. Like you got to. I'll gotta have you back whenever you want. I love so, it. Yeah. So it's a grassroots work. And uh, the last two months, our team has been uh, spending time. You know how you, you probably went through this when you ran right in the federal election, the ridiculous paperwork that you got to file after your campaign. After after. And then after the campaign is over, you got to right. do the audit of your of your financials. Right, I mean, yeah. that, that took a few months and cost a few bucks. Right. So we got 124 candidates doing their filings. We've got 124 yeah. riding associations doing their filings. So we're helping them each and every one. We're not abandoning them because we don't want anyone not to do their filing. We're helping each and every one of them do their filings. We're building the party up at the ground up, helping those riding associations. We're going to roll out a program. There's going to be future conventions for the new blue. Now that we can do them in person, we had one uh, a virtual one in April put together um, um, before we get uh, the election vote. We're not going to get angry. We're going to turn the anger into passion and we're going to advocate. 
We're going to hold the PC's feet to the fire with all kinds of different campaign tools. If you followed me, you know what I'm talking about. From the Axe the Carbon Tax campaign, from fighting them in court if we have to, from uh, any kind of advocacy work to Belinda uh, challenging them uh, against the lockdown bills. And we're going to do the grassroots thing and grow our party one riding association at a time, one voter at a time. And we're going to uh, unroll the unveil the candidate selection process a lot earlier next time um, and hopefully have as many nominations as possible. Because, you know, in, in politics today, the leader of the other parties, they just pick their candidates. And then we're surprised that the candidates don't uh, defend their constituents. And uh, that takes a lot of work. And like we just said, three months already passed by. I don't know where the summer went. We've been buried in 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 building the party up. And um, and uh, it, it's going to go by really quickly. Uh, but the P, the Ford PCs don't even give us a chance to look away because they just came back with the legislature last week and tabled their budget. S- over $600 million in loans to ineligible businesses during COVID. They wiped it off. Like they're not going back to collect the money. They gave out over $600 million during COVID to businesses that were not eligible for those loans. Can you imagine how many friends of the Ford government yeah, got some was, of those was, eligible loans? Handing forty thousand dollars out to any company that incorporated and asked for the money. It's um, and that's the federal one. So who knows? I don't. I don't know if the Ford PCs had a specific program or if they just picked and choose. They're they've, they're rolling out massive subsidies for electric vehicles that no one's going to drive because there's not such a demand for it. And uh, on top of that, they've got a twenty billion dollar deficit this year. They were not past COVID. Twenty billion dollars, way larger than anything that the Liberals ever spent under Kathleen Wynne and Dalton McGuinty. Uh, the, the debt of the province is $200 billion, 25% higher than where the Liberals left it. And as bad as McGuinty and Wynne were, can you believe the Ford PCs are worse on the fiscal stuff? So you were asking Roman a bunch of questions on social policy. The provincial PCs always said, you know, we're kind of pathetic on social policy. We don't have a backbone. But you trust us. They used to say, trust us when we get in there. This is the part you don't like, right? When I start getting a little childish like this. No, no, I, I, I had this. I look, I have the same reflex. It's, it's a human reflex. Well, they Trust used to us. say, it and I was involved. Oh, when we get in there, when we get power, we're gonna fix up these finances, bring those electricity mm-hmm. rates down, grow the economy, and the economy's put, put, putting along, like Fred Flintstone pedaling his car, uh, and they're spending way more than the liberals, and they're not doing anything. They're not like they are exactly a replica of the liberals. And they are the uh, official arm now of the Trudeau Liberal Party in Ottawa. They're the provincial wing of Justin Trudeau. You know what the amazing thing is? Did you see, you probably wouldn't have seen this, but their health minister, the person who got promoted for oh, Doug Kier, Ford. Kier, well, is it Kieran Moore? Sylvia Jones. Ah, okay, sorry. Yep. Their health minister. Kieran is the, what do they call them? Top doc? Ch- Ch- yeah, chief, chief medical doc. officer of Ontario. Yeah, CMOH. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the guy that they say they follow when they want to say that, and then the guy they ignore when they don't want to say mm-hmm. they follow. But uh, Christine Elliott retired. She didn't run again. So he needed a new health minister. So he goes and gets Sylvia Jones, who was the attorney general in Ontario. So for the last three months, I've seen the Conservative Party of Canada say Mario Mendocino, Justin Trudeau's a federal, what, what is he, the public health minister or something? No, not public health, public uh, works. He's, or- he's, the, he's the guy that lied about the necessity to invoke the Emergencies Act. Thank you. He lied, right? Okay. Yep. He should be fired. But provincially, Sylvia Jones, who's the attorney general for the Ford PCs, 
She not only lied about the justification of bringing in the provincial emergency measures after the trucker convoy, she went one further. She made it law. She made those emergency uh, uh, moves into a permanent bill called Bill 100 Law. But no one's calling for her to resign. They said the conservative establishment said, let's give her a promotion. Let's make mm-hmm. her the health minister because she did a bang up job. So if you're up, if Mario Mendocino was a PC MPP, he would have got a promotion. But because he's got the, the red sign, oh, he lied. They did the same thing, but worse at the provincial level. And we're fighting against the tribalism of politics. You know it, right? Oh, yeah, blue must be good. Red, bad. Same they're color. Call, they're just- called... They're called the PCs, progressive conservatives. It's as much of an oxymoron as a pregnant virgin or a a, a jumbo shrimp. Progressive conservative conceptually don't go together unless they're just progressive. And Doug Ford is as liberal uh, as any liberal politician in the States as compared to what conservatives traditionally meant. Jim, you, you need to survive off funding, donations, and crowd support. Where do people find you? Well, obviously I work and New Blue Party of Ontario takes up most of my time. Um, but everything we, uh, all the donations we get for the New Blue Party goes into the party. So newblueontario.com and we do have some staff and we're very uh, fortunate for the support that we have. Uh, but before you become a donor, no pressure, sign up on newblueontario.com so you can follow our emails. We have calls to action all the time. Uh, we'll let you know when the things that are going on in the Ontario legislature that no one else We'll tell you about it. It's like a big secret. Oh, oh, $600 million written off budget. No one wants to talk about it. Two years ago, they tried to pass a law in the Ontario legislature where they were going to implement a code of conduct on marriage officiants. And if the marriage officiant didn't follow the code of conduct, they would just take away their marriage license. At first ever, an, an imposition on freedom of religion. No one said a word. And when we blew the whistle, the mainstream media wouldn't cover it. Even the liberals and the NDP wouldn't cover it because I think there was a deal there where the PCs were giving them something. But the PCs took it out of the legislation. That was late 2020 when I first got diagnosed um, uh, from uh, the bout of cancer that I had that I've recovered from. But we're going to keep doing that. But the only way you're going to hear about it is NewBlueOntario.com because the challenge in politics is if a tree falls no one's there to hear it. Didn't make a noise. Well, we're making noise, but the establishment doesn't really want to cover us. And some of the right wing independents don't really want to talk to us because we do damage. But thank you, Viva, for talking to me. And Jim, I called you Viva again, but I just can't help it. It's right there. It's I'll, I'll have you on anytime, whenever you want. And not just because I like you, but I also like you. I'll have people on who I don't like, but I like you. Uh, I, I met you. I heard your voice a while back. And it's it resonated. I don't live in Ontario. Certainly would have voted provincially for you. I wouldn't tell anyone else how to vote. Uh, but I'll put the links up in the pinned comments so people can find you, follow you, and you'll come back on time to time. Bring me up to speed as to what might be going on in Canada in my absence to make sure I'm up to date. And we'll do it. We're going to have major stuff that's going to come out. I wish it was ready for this one, but I need a couple more weeks. And every time we announce something... They always copy us. They get these fake opposition. So they always copy. So I don't want to announce it. But if you give me a couple of weeks and I like coming here because you say you like me and there's so many people that don't like me. It's just the I, way it is. When you I press can't them, understand it. Challenge them. They don't like me. But I like going where people like me. So um, I'll be back.
Good. Let me know when you have the announcement ready to go and we'll come out here and maybe do an, an exclusive. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. I need to take these headphones off. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was Jim Carahalios. He's actually co-founder of the New Blue Party. Oh, my ears are killing me. Well, that was fun. So you got your dose of Canadian stuff, peeps. The only story that I didn't actually manage to get to was Elon Musk having a victory in court. Twitter's going to have to send him some documents that they didn't want to send him. Apparently some communications with uh, an ex-employee relating to bot statistics. Not a big enough deal to get into right now. Let me see if I, before my wife comes back and kills me. It's been going on for a long time. Uh, Viva Fry, Mr. Baber was in the progressive conservative party. Why did he go to the conservative party? And where is he on Ukraine? Okay, so I got to that one. Under the conservation of H's principle, I think you should pronounce when as when, don't you think? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> Does Barnes wear pants when he streams? My gut says he's only in a suit from the waist up. He seems like a practical guy that likes to be comfortable. No, I, unless he does not wear pants when I'm not in the same house as him, he wears pants. Viva Fry, I was saying that calling someone out on Twitter that was that way is stochastic terrorism because it makes the person a target for attacks. Oh, I see what you're saying. Touche, Steve. Stephen. Politicians have been promising to fix things with the West for over a century. Nothing has changed. Canada, simply put, isn't. Uh, Viva Friday, do you think Valerie Plante? Valerie Plante is the... She's not the mayor of Montreal. She is. Oh, I'm getting so confused. Uh, likes or agrees with the WEF plans. Hold on. Hold on, people. Let's see something. Valerie Plante. Valerie Plante, people. Let's play the game. Do I think that Valerie Plante likes or agrees with the WES? Don't take my word for it. Why is her name there? Like, just her name is there. Valerie Plante, mayor of Westmount, uh, mayor of Westmount, mayor of Montreal, on the WEF website. Her picture's not there. She doesn't have a, a beautiful bio like, oh, let's just say uh, Jugmeet Singh. Jugmeet Singh's got a massively beautiful, look at this, WEF forum. Beautiful. I'm going to play the game today. Let's go with um, Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel, WEF. Yeah, let's see. Guaranteed. Gu oh, there you go. Hmm. Curious. Let's go with, I don't think she's going to be there. I think I remember doing this on Nancy Pelosi. Let's just play the game, people. Oh, no. Oh, she is there. That's nice. So can you believe this effing world sometimes? I don't know what it means. If my face is ever on the WEF website, they're getting a letter of demand to take it down immediately. Lori Lightfoot, I don't know why this one's on my, on my mind. Um, seems that she might have been at a... Oh, well, she's got something there. Lori. There it is. The report was also shared with the incoming mayor. See, this is why it, it, it smells like one of those Ponzi schemes where they just put people in it and then say, look how good we are. We have these people associated with us because we've, you know, without their permission, built up a, a web page for them in a bio. Don't ever even stop saying, when, people. Okay, my wife said, would I be done by 3.15? And I will. Marion, if you're watching, I'll be done in a few minutes. Uh, Jim and Belinda Calaharios are amazing. They're amazing. Do Tulsi Gabbard? Let's see it in real time, people. In 
Oh, come on. I just closed the window down. Now I can't. Come on, Dave. No, now I'm at the wrong thing. Share screen. We'll do it together. We'll do it live. Kelsey. Cameron. Good. Good. Oh, oh, hold on. What's this? Kelsey Gabbard, I'm honored to be selected as 2015. What, what, is, what is this? 2015. Are you affiliated with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab? That's from March 16th. Surprise, Telsey's photo bio were removed from the World Economic Forum's website. The same website that Klaus Schwab with the Great Reset. Telsey's got some problems. Oh, what, what did people know about the WEF back in 2015? That would be my question. Some people are going to say everybody who knew or ought to have known knew then. Let's see about that guy, Sean Hannity. <laughs> He's not going to. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, Tulsi Gabbard seems to have a, there, you got, you got that connection, people. That's what Google results shows. Uh, that was great. Thank you all for being here for today. Uh, tomorrow night, I forget the sidebar, but it's going to be a good one. Tomorrow during the day, as always. Dan Crenshaw, I, I, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. Hey, no, I don't see anything for Dan. Here are the young people pushing boundaries. There's an article about in, in, that mentions Dan, but I don't see a, a landing page. Um, it's been two hours and 40 minutes, and I haven't peed. David, Viva, do, Viva Fry, do Viva Fry, just so we know. Hold on, hold on. My goodness, this will be funny. Are we, are we, no, we're not. I got to go share screen. Let's see this. Let's get that comment off. You know, what's going to come up with this. Oh, that would be funny. So why does Wikipedia come up? So must include W E F birthday special. Okay. That's people don't panic. That's a link to a podcast where I probably had less than Flattering things to say about the WEF. Okay, good. When tobogganing goes wrong. This is going to be me, isn't it? Yeah, it is because it's storyful. Hold on. Let's how not to go tobogganing. Where's the volume? Children. Behold. Oh, life was so right. much simpler back then. It's on. And I thought things made sense. Oh my gosh. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Uh. No, I was just genuinely not. Those were oh. the days, people. I, I thought I would go through the trees Young, at the last minute. Dumb. Oh, gosh. Okay, well... Uh... What happens here? Is that it? Is a... Oh, yeah, look at it. Slow-mo, people. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Branch up the butt. Sorry about that. Okay, so I, I'm not affiliated with the WEF. And by the way, anyone ever sees uh, me included in an article or a landing page, let me know. Okay, go. Enjoy the day. As I always say, there's no point in winning. 
if you have sacrificed your decency and human dignity. Winning is not cheating. Cheating is not winning. Get out there, talk to people in the real world. Transitions, kids. Oh, oh and I hear someone saying it's time to go. Uh, I, if offered $100 million, in, $100 million and safety for your family, would you support the WEF agenda? First of all, $100 million will automatically cause problems for your, for your safety. Uh, that's more money than anybody needs in life. And you will never guarantee your safety by being bought out by stochastic terror. You'll never guarantee your safety by being indebted to the devil. Never. So, um, and there is no point living a life where you cannot walk among your brethren. So my answer, no. And there's not even an amount of money that would you compromise your integrity for the protect for the safety of your family. I'm sure people would lie to save their family. Would people compromise everything that they are for survival? I'm not even sure that that qualifies as survival at that point. Uh, I need a, someone says I need a hundred million dollars. You know what? Uh, nobody needs a hundred million dollars. No, what people need is purpose and they need security. And $100 million is a liability. It's not security. Okay, that's my deep thought for the day. Go out, be free, and prosper.